Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a special mini-series just for you. We're going through the entire first season of King of the Hill, and you can only hear it if you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We're giving the Talking Simpsons treatment to all 13 episodes of King of the Hill's first season, and if you want a free sample, you'll find the first episode available for free in the Talking Simpsons feed. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's the only place you'll find the first season of Talk King of the Hill. Made you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons recorded live in the Forbidden Barn. I'm your host, Leader Bean Collector Bob Mackey. And this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and I am dustier. Dustier than thou! And who do we have on the line? Hey, guys, it's Connor Lestoka, and I uh, guarantee this is going to be a great show, not a guarantee. <laughs> and today's, today's episode is The Joy of Sect. Out of my way, jerkass! Today's episode aired on February 8th, 1998, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. Oh boy, Bobby, Michael Jordan is the MVP of the NBA All-Star Game. Blues Brothers 2000 arrives in theaters and lights the world on fire. And oh. neutral milk hotels and aeroplane over the sea oh. creates a generation of hipsters in record stores today. It's a sad boy playlist. Yes, yeah. I love I love that album, as, yeah. as would it be expected from my age and complexion and <laughs> in general overall demeanor. But I do really love it. King of Carrot Flowers, Two-Headed Boy... Arab, uh, the titular song. Yes, yeah. Uh, Holland 1945. All these amazing, amazing songs. And Blues Brothers 2000. It was <laughs> so not many a amazing hit. songs, too. It was not it's a really hit. The, it's, the new, it's the aeroplane over the sea of movies. That's <laughs> true. And that aeroplane went down. Yeah, I think it was not a hit because people were confused. It was called Blues Brothers 2000, but it was 1998. They're like, well, I'll wait for a few years to see that movie, sir. <laughs> I remember the marketing blitz for it was that Dan Aykroyd would appear everywhere. Like, he was yeah. guest starring in everything. And he was also showing off that he was like, in great shape. Well, great shape by Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd shape. He was in like race stand shape. He's yes, back look, to his uh, fighting weight. Look, I, I am I am no one to judge the physical no. fitness of others. He was back to his busting weight. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, Dan Aykroyd seems to be happy at the weight he's at now. I, I'm not judging that. But he was really, he was making jokes about how fat he used to be when he would appear on other uh, shows. Look, John Belushi's irreplaceable, but I, Goodman's good. He's, I would he's say fine. Better John. Yeah. And wasn't there some sort of child uh, blues brother? There's a kid blues brother as yeah. well, yes. And uh, and also, of course, you can't keep Jim Belushi out of it. Like, he's there too. I think he thought he'd get to be the co star, and instead he's like uh, hanging around to the side when John Goodman's the real co star of the movie. Look, if that movie had done well, Dan Aykroyd might not have been in a position where he needed or had to do uh, Crossroads with Britney Spears a couple years later. So I think uh, <laughs> we, have we, are, we are richer for him having done that. You know what? The movie is very good, obviously. But whenever I would watch SNL reruns from the 70s, that would always confuse me. Like, before I saw the movie, I was like, who are these characters? They're not funny. They're wasting time. It's just two white guys playing the blues. Is that the joke? So when I wrote my only article for Cracked, I uh, I did a ranking of the worst SNL characters. And because I was uh, very contrarian at the time, I put Blues Brothers as number one. Because on SNL, they're not funny. Right. And arguably, they're not really that funny in the movie. There's just lots of things happening around. 
around them, but like I always was so annoyed when they would show up on those SNL reruns. Like, oh, just have another sketch or something. They're just gonna waste time covering a blues song as like blues fanboys. It, uh, one of my favorite episodes ever of Eagle Heart is the blues episode, yeah, where Dean Norris plays a blues man in the Blues Brothers style. Who uh, it, blues is really about selling appetizers at the House of Blues. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about Eagle Heart the other day. It's so good. And uh, man, the, but Michael Jordan on fire at, uh, in the NBA that yeah. time. Like, it's the last years of Jordan, I think, is as the most dominant player in the game. He I'm just, not pretending like I know basketball. He just played basketball in space. Yeah. <laughs> I would retire, too. You know, that movie's a lie. They don't jam in space. They jam underground in the world where the Looney Tunes live. It's <laughs> They're jamming to prevent going into space. Some things in the movie are from space. <laughs> sure, I guess. They are jamming upon on space things. But uh, who's not from space is yeah. our special guest, Connor Lestoka of Rift Tracks, podcasting and many other things. How's it going, Connor? Great, guys. I'm glad to be back. I w- I've been considering watching Space Jam for the first time. Like, I've never seen it. Uh, but the fact that it doesn't take place in space is I'm reconsidering <laughs> the whole ill-fated enterprise because that is garbage. Boy, if Space Jam was a bomb as it deserved to be, you could easily do a Rift Tracks for it. But I, mm-hmm. I assume that it's too hard to get those rights. To get the video on demand, Space Jam. Yeah, I think the uh, the probably what would hold it up would be the uh, Coolio Method Man be real song, uh, Hit 'Em High. It's mm. like uh, <laughs> it's what you know how in, It's a Wonderful Life got pulled back from the public domain because of the music. I think uh, that would be what. Uh, no one wants to be associated with R. Kelly these days. Mm, That's a stain okay, on that right. movie. Yeah, but well, though. Meanwhile, LeBron James is making Space Jam too, so I would mm. think his production company would prevent anybody from making fun of the original Space Jam. Yeah. Well, we'll see you in court, LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Connor, welcome back. We last had you on on uh, 22 short films about Springfield. Uh, how's, how's it been going on the podcasting front? I know you're, uh, you've you oh, moved man. on to new books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 372 pages we'll never get back is still going strong. I uh, got some helpful advice from Bob about setting up a Patreon, so we relaunched it. And Ooh. man, that might have been a bad decision because I, I had people over last night and I had to explain to them why I had a copy of Sean Penn's Bob Honey Who Just do stuff uh, under my coffee table. <laughs> oh dear! Uh, it's it's a hard thing to explain, even when you you tell them you have a podcast because they just assume you're lying. You have <laughs> a lot to explain if you're running a podcast. Like yesterday, I was out in public doing Sonic the Hedgehog research, <laughs> and I was just hoping no one would ask me what I was doing or ask me to leave. <laughs> what did that involve? Lots of lots of pictures and videos. I just like I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Believe me, this is for a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so we've been reading uh, some more bad books. We read Tech War by William Shatner, which has a, a a Simpsons tie-in that everyone was everyone assumed they were the first person to point it out to us. We read a book called I, I can never remember the title because it was really long, but it was about certified public accountants written by a certified public accountant huh. um, who was who's a uh, certified public accountant slash detective. So that was very entertaining. Oh. And now we're reading Sean Penn's novel, which is as as terrible as everything you you might have heard about it when it came out last year. I do love that a famous person like Sean Penn can just like write fan fiction and have it be published by <laughs> act by being himself. It's truly stunning, man. It's a uh, it everyone who's you know struggling to create a, a creative endeavor is uh, has, is rightfully probably angry at the the way that things actually work <laughs> because he just crapped this thing out and it was chat upon by reviewers and readers alike. But I, I still assume he earned a, a decent penny. He was just on talk shows last week promoting the paperback you know there's a thing with uh, comic books too where people work forever to break into like right to write marvel comic books they love it and then meanwhile if you're say former pro wrestler cm punk 
you just say, I have an idea for a Thor comic. They just do it. They're just like, sure, <laughs> publish it. Go right ahead. The system works, baby. <laughs> no, that clip of him on the talk show, uh, sorry, in your most recent episode, was uh, so funny because he's just so like dour and mm. miserable. It's, it's um, Yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I wanted to go into the to the venture of reading his book, you know, giving him credit. Like, you know, I, a friend of mine had sort of like had worked with him on a hum- humanitarian <laughs> relief project in Haiti. But like that all went out the window. Like every every uh, orphan he pulled out of rubble has been, you know, that's that's completely gone after the the eighth uh, alliterative sentence you've read in his uh, in his terrible book. So we mentioned it earlier, Connor. You are one of the Rift Tracks writers, and you guys yeah. have a live event coming up on April eighteenth. Yeah, so we're headed to Nashville in uh, about a week and a half to uh, record for the first time. We're doing two in a week, uh, so Whoa. we're recording uh, a Rift Tracks live that we're going to tape delay later in the summer called Star Raiders. The Adventures of Saber Rain, uh, and that's going to air in June. And then there's also, we're doing one called Octoman, uh, which you can watch, yeah, live in theaters April 18th. It's a Fathom event, uh, if you know what those are. It's playing all across the country. And Octoman is relentlessly stupid. So if you liked uh, Mystery Science Theater or Rift Tracks, um, it's going to be right up your alley. I can't wait. I think one of my life goals now is to just make it out to the Belcourt Theater for one of these shows in person. I've seen almost all of them in the theater. Oh, man, you should definitely do it. It's Nashville is very fun. The theater is a, it's a lot probably smaller than it looks on our broadcast, but it's always like an amazing energy in the show. You know, people wearing costumes. I'm, there's a, some people who come to every show, Steve and Melissa in these amazing costumes. And so I'm very excited to see uh, how much better their homemade costume is than the actual Octoman costume. (laughs) Though, if I wasn't in the theater, then I wouldn't get the experience of watching it in the Fathom version, which means hearing all of the songs over the credits, which those are just a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I just, uh, Kevin Murphy has been, has sort of like he used to do it like as a one-off but now does uh, original songs for every episode so i heard his octoman song for the first time two days ago and it's also very funny i'm a big fan of the samurai cop song that he wrote yeah, that's that's his uh crowning achievement that was like i was listening to on the plane on repeat then the day the day after that show that it's, that one is fantastic it's so catchy I listen to it when i run like <laughs> Well, Connor, we gave you a spate of episodes to choose from. Why did you want Joy of Sect of all possible ones? All right. So uh, this is one that when I when I rewatch The Simpsons, I usually probably don't go this far into, into season nine. But I remembered watching this. It probably would have come out my junior year in high school, sophomore year. And I remember liking it. I had thought back to it uh, recently in the past year when that documentary about the Rajneeshis came out. And so I had fond memories of it. And the other two that you offered me were the Carney one. And I don't remember, but this was the one out of those three that I thought was like, oh yeah, I remember that one being funnier despite it not being one that I rewatch all the time. So I thought that would be the the, uh, the best one to dive into. And spoiler alert, I'm not sure if it held up as well as my memories hmm. do. I think this, I like is, this, one, this is sort of a, a height of season nine, in my opinion, at least, because mm, okay. uh, David Merkin, one of the previous showrunners, this is one of two episodes he came back to produce because they always needed more episodes back then. So it was very much of his style of humor just very punchy very mean and all about taking down institutions yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah there's a lot of that i do like that it's uh, i mean this is this is the end of an era. This is the final Dave Merkin showrun episode. And this definitely has all the traits of his seasons five and six in it. Packed full of jokes, violent, anti-social, uh, anti-authoritarian, and like also just mean to the audience. Yeah. Like constant FUs to the audience. I mean, previous showrunners, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, would not be quite as mean to Reverend Lovejoy. In this episode, yes, he's going to yeah. burn down his own church. He tears <laughs> off his collar and stomps on it. 
it. Um, they're they're very they're having a lot of fun with uh, Lovejoy in this episode. Yeah, they they sell out a lot of characters. I yeah, uh, you know, if there's failings in this one, the only negatives I really saw in it were like it didn't feel like it benefited from that last run of rewrite for a ton of extra jokes, but. I think it's a really strong starting point of an episode and definitely uh, one of my favorites of season nine for sure. And I guess well, all right, we'll have some we'll have some uh, some bones to pick, I suppose. I made a list of things that I noted in this episode that I thought that other episodes did better. So I can point mm-hmm. those out as we as we go through. Right. And I guess we have to talk about uh, Scientology because there are some <laughs> connections to The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so this the commentary is a really interesting one because yeah. uh, obviously Nancy Cartwright is not there, and uh, they they talk about how the cults they're doing in this is kind of, the the movementarians are really a melange of cults. Like there's right. definitely similarities to Jonestown, uh, the Rajneeshis, as Connor brought up. I think even Heaven's Gate with their yeah. costumes. They actually had to rewrite some stuff in this because uh, the Heaven Gate uh, mass suicide happened as they were writing it. It happened in March 1997, and this came out in February, so yeah. Uh, So they had to do some, but but it was based on that too. But it is undeniable that Scientology is also being mocked in this in and they even talked about how they cut some jokes like in at least script form they had a joke about um e-meters or an e-meter type thing of a personality okay. test i mean yeah the whole sci-fi angle is very scientology yeah. and also the founder being like this kind of uh, slovenly man <laughs> is uh, very much an l ron hubbard type yes he doesn't have l ron hubbard's disgusting teeth but uh, i mean does. But yeah, Nancy Cartwright is a Scientologist. Yes. It's something we all like to forget about. And she's probably like one of their top donors, I would have to say, with all the money she's made. <laughs> and uh, she recently just wrote an episode of the show as oh, a recording. Yeah. yeah so Nancy Cartwright seems like a very nice woman who just she has like her in interviews, or she seems good in her books and her tell all books. She seemed like a nice person. Seems funny on all of the uh, commentaries when she appears. But yeah, I mean, she's also a Scientologist and she fell into that world. And they I mean in our interview, in one of our interviews with Bill Oakley. He lightly hinted that they that George Meyer had a Scientology episode, mm, and right. he's like, uh, "But that didn't happen." And um, you can guess, yeah. like, that's I'm, that's not a direct quote of Bill Oakley. You gotta listen to the interview to hear exactly what he said. But th- it was implied that they had shied away from mocking Scientology because such a high level star, you know, was involved in it. Mm. And I mean, if they had been more direct in it, they could have had a situation that like happened with Chef on South Park where. Isaac Hayes quit the show in protest for being so directly mocking of Scientology. I like that you mentioned that because I have a a brief story about this. Uh, So in the late 90s, I think uh, all of us were just trying to figure out what Scientology was. There was like sites like Xenu.org and that information was just being leaked out. Like, here's what the belief systems are. Here's what they do. Here's how they prey on people. And I remember, I think that South Park episode was when everyone like finally found out about Scientology. But I remember... Mm. I had a world religions class in college, and I was totally cool and edgy, and we had to do an oral <laughs> report on a religion, so I chose Scientology. Basically, I gave the origin story of Scientology, you know, the Xenu stuff, the volcano, the bombers, and I was telling this to the classroom, and I had to tell them, like, this is real. I didn't make this up. <laughs> and then I see South Park do the exact same thing, where they have a disclaimer on the screen saying, this is what they actually believe. So, like, I was I was doing that on a smaller scale <laughs> two years before the South Park episode, but when that came out, like, finally, people will know I wasn't yes. fucking with them. I think- wow. 
I, yeah, I, w- I wonder if like if they started the show, like how public something like her Scientology would have been in like 1989 or if they that just is something you you gradually get a sense of like around the around the office, like you're at the water cooler and she, you know, lets something about Thetans fly like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it or might be tells- something that you don't know that well. And then you realize you can't do a Scientology episode seven years into the show. From what I've heard about living in LA, there are just a lot of cults and you can just find yourself in a cult. Like, Mm. Oh, this yoga (laughs) class I go to every week is actually a cult and I'm in it and I give it money. So I assume like we didn't have like going clear and things Mm. like that in 1989. I'm sure people in Hollywood knew that Scientology was predatory and did like take a lot of your money. But some people probably thought, Oh, it's just this kooky thing, this kooky new age Mm. thing that Tom Cruise likes. It's like meditating. Who cares yeah things have really changed in the last decade just about what you can say about scientology and as much as we sometimes mock south park for us not agreeing with it i do think they really got the first hit that mattered on scientology that made it okay like one of my favorite sketches ever on the upright citizen brigade show makes fun of it but but they have to call it psychotonomy because they're told like you can't directly call this scientology after south park they i think they made it so that's like no we're actually going to be direct in making fun of Scientology, but it, it was also in this episode, the Scientology gag of lawyers. That is yes, why 100%. they were obscenely litigious. And if there's one thing a Hollywood production is scared of, it is lawyers. So even if you wanted to say this is a weird, crazy cult, you will be attacked by lawyers all immediately and sued into the ground. And so why bother? Just play nice, you know? I just want to know her OT level. Yes. Yeah. Well, with the amount of money she has probably put into it, her OT level has got to be very high at this point. Well, I think I learned a lot about Scientology from last podcast on the left and their, mm, yeah. their long series about L. Ron Hubbard and just the systems by which he, he did it. Like, it's it's an amazing cult. There are so many cults beyond Scientology. It's just one of the most successful ever. Like, and the the smart thing was moving to Hollywood and finding your marks there. You know, that's, that's what the movementarians have that makes them more like Jonestown and Rajneesh because they want to have like a farm, a compound farm yeah. far away, which Scientology is more about the, the ocean than, uh, than farming. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I hope this doesn't make things awkward i probably should have mentioned at the start of it but i am a believing scientologist oh, so, I'm, I'm so um, sorry just if we can maybe maybe tamp down the, the mockery <laughs> for the rest of the episode i, I was gonna I, ask I, about i would appreciate it i was gonna ask about all the frequent pro scientology commentaries on rift tracks <laughs> i know me. i know it's, it's just you know once you get started on them it's hard to it's hard <laughs> to tone them down <laughs> last scientology thing i'll say on this too is uh the commentary is very interesting because uh, obviously nancy is not on it i'm shocked she's in this episode uh honestly because she should know how direct they're being about mocking Scientology at times. They never mention Scientology until one basically 30-second stretch where David Merkin says, you know, a lot of people see similarities with Scientology in here. And uh, South Park just had a really great episode about Scientology at the time we recorded this. And uh, yeah, I could see the similarities there. No one else on the commentary speaks, and that includes Matt Groening and Yardley Smith. And then there's a little silence, and they move on to another point. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> other things were said and then cut out from that commentary. Perhaps so. Or they just, like, they know, like, I have to grip my teeth when I when we talk about Scientology because yeah. I can't piss off Nancy. Like, they can't do the show without Nancy. They probably are friends with her, whether they agree with her cult or not. They, they probably are friends with her. They don't want to hurt her feelings. But, yeah, it's uh, it seems like a very uncomfortable situation there, which, uh, I mean, that I think is also a good strategy of 
Scientology. If you get famous people in your cult, then you use their influence to prevent anyone speaking ill of your cult because they're so powerful. There's, uh, I mean, Lee Ramini has, uh, has told so many interesting, wild stories about what uh, Scientology is like. The director of the awful movie Crash, he also had a very good um, <laughs> breakdown of what it was like to leave Scientology. There, there were some interesting, there's a lot of uh, things out there about it, but this is, I guess, sorry, this turned into the Scientology <laughs> podcast. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the, also, yeah, Steve O'Donnell on the commentary talks about when they were writing it with their small team that they had, they actually had jokes that were way more similar to Heaven's Gate. I would bet there was a mass suicide joke in this episode at one point that then after the Hale-Bob Comet thing happened, they probably cut it. Like, I think there's no way... They wouldn't have done a drinking the Kool-Aid joke. David Merkin would totally do that joke. But then after the Heaven's Gate thing happens, it definitely would feel in more poor taste than to joke about a mass suicide from like 20 years earlier. And we talked about the writer of this episode, Steve O'Donnell, and the All Singing, All Dancing podcast. And frankly, he is too qualified to be writing a freelance Simpson script. <laughs> he's like the king of TV comedy writing, but uh, he's yeah. very good. He was very good at these two episodes. And that's all he wrote. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they had an interesting bit of trivia too. That like Steve O'Donnell apparently has a writer twin brother yeah who all who almost wrote for the original shorts which i was very surprised by but uh, what else did the writer do i'm not familiar with him he came from uh, letterman right yeah he was, he was one head of the writer of letterman in yeah. the, the good in the great letterman period yeah <laughs> so he wrote for letterman for like 15 years or something like that yeah, yeah it's yeah. all on that last podcast but he uh he's been all over the place i'm, I'm sure yeah he's from harvard of course of so course he's yeah. one of the most brilliant men ever <laughs> and uh, and the previously mentioned jimmy kimmel i believe he he was a uh, head writer, maybe still is head writer, but was was for a while. Uh, but all right, well, why don't we get straight into this then? Uh, we start out at the airport. I like gasped that the opening joke is about an airplane crashing, and it's just like, yeah, just a one off joke. Like, this is a very pre 9 11 gag here. Also, being able to just wander into the airport and meet yes. people as they come off a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Most Simpsons first acts that are good start with a lot of great observational stuff uh, about a specific thing thing and this is very good observational things about an airport as uh, as bart learns everything from the airport thanks for letting me skip school to see the team come back from the championship dad i always say a boy can learn more at an airport than he can at any school hey i need to see your claim checks for that luggage oh of course i have it right here <gasps> i'll need to see yours too you got it i'll Take your word for it. You're just doing your job. <laughs> That's the worst he's been beaten before, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's uh, smoking a cigarette later in the episode as he stands guard at the compound. So oh, you're right. He, re- he recovers pretty well. Yeah, that, what's am- it's amazing that more that doesn't happen more often. Retrieving baggage that isn't yours from the thing. That would be a good gig if anyone ever wanted to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never used that claim ticket in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, every. I think every time I pick up luggage at the airport, I'm just like, what's stopping me from just yeah. grabbing another one? I guess you know you do have the risk of somebody else sees that you took their luggage and they're right there and they stop you. Like, so it's a, it's a gamble. <laughs> it's a gamble. But every time the lug carousel stops, there's always like at least like two or three bags that just 
someone forgot they checked a bag when they got off the plane type of thing. So yeah, all right. yeah, you might as well see if there's any <laughs> Fabergé eggs in it or something. You call that an airport pinata. <laughs> uh, we're I, we're I think really if, helping people with tips <laughs> on scams. Here. And a steal. Uh, I think if this episode were made today, there'd be more jokes or uh, there'd be jokes, period, about Hudson News. It's the one store oh, I yeah. see in every airport where you can buy uh, very overpriced bags of chips. <laughs> and it's still there. It's yeah. still, I, I'm shocked there's still... I love the Jess Crichton and King book store though that's not book i i think now when i go to the airport i don't know i the main amount of books are just like motivational celebrity biographies mm. like that's that's uh that's all i notice well though you've been to more airports lately connor have you what have, what have you seen in these bookstores my main observation i was just walking i spent a lot of time at an airport last weekend i, I fell asleep on the floor for about four hours but my main thing wow. is like there are now just restaurants or newsstands that are just named after like CNBC or Fox yeah. News, like establishments that are, you can go in and I guess buy stuff or they're showing those things or it's a, you know, like an ESPN zone, but CNBC themed. It's baffling. I don't know why anyone wanted that or needed it. <laughs> uh, the news is so much fun. I want to live in it. I- right, <laughs> What's it called? The the, the bookstores, you, you just see ones by like, you know, Vince Flynn, where the guys, you know, the characters have names like Mitch Rapp. Or, uh, you know, Clive Custler books. Most of them are like authors who are not, you know, not living anymore, but someone is just writing them under Uh, their name. And they they give their characters utterly ridiculous uh, hero names. Like all those Tom Clancy books that are by, sure. by the Tom Clancy estate. <laughs> you know, it's like a, a, a daily comic strip where the person's, uh, the son just, or the grandson or the great grandson takes over the Cats and Jammer kids. Uh, <laughs> keeps it going forever. I think Snuffy Smith is still still rocking out <laughs> yeah, in 2019. So. I want to point out there's a return of one of my favorite characters. He gets no line, but uh, Benevin Stanciano comes back uh, and uh, Pooh salutes his high markups. Uh, He's colored differently, but that's uh, the guy who sold Marge to different magazines. Thanks, wow. Stanciano. Yeah, he was named I had once. I look him up. I thought it might have been the Krav Kalash guy, but it, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was not. I've got a real eye for these just very, very minor characters when they pop up again. I'm like, that's him. That's him. <laughs> but they miscolored him, though. Or yeah. I guess in continuity, perhaps he started to color his uh, gray mustache for brown to look a little younger. Or maybe it's uh, Benjamin Stanciano Jr. Could be that. Yeah, he over the business like uh, the catching <laughs> We need to I explore. was disappointed that the Crichton and King guy who says get out was not the just stamp the ticket guy. Uh, that, was, uh, that was right in his wheelhouse. That was a mistake. I think he was being phased out at this point. <laughs> uh, I mean, he does look weird. Uh, I by... love his weird like teapot head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. By season nine standards, it's a weird head. But uh, yeah, the markups at the airport are something else. I uh, th- Time for all the airport humor here, guys. But I... I <laughs> I just bought like a bag of uh, crispy M and M's there, and I swear it was ten dollars. Like, uh, I mean, but they got you. You can't. Where else are you going to shop there? You know. Yeah, I've begun to fly so much that I now am writing airport jokes <laughs> and airplane jokes because it is, it's it hell. Is nice to know that at some point they were just like, you know, what if airports didn't completely and totally suck in every sense of the thing? They're like, that's that's bold. Like, we can <laughs> we can make this an actual, you know, somewhat pleasant place to hang out. And they're like, that'll never work. There's now like actual restaurants and you know modernish 
lighting and you know they've they've ripped up the 70s motel carpet from places so. <laughs> yeah the the san francisco airport is uh it's definitely been modernized and they have like you know sushi places and everything now which are not like more chichi kind of places though when i'm at the airport my mindset usually is like i just want like greasy fast food to comfort me in this stressful time of being at the airport <laughs> well there's still places that have the uh you know the the hand dryers in the bathroom that are from a you know 80s mcdonald's that like it's essentially <laughs> like a cool breeze like blowing <laughs> into your hands instead of like the ones that actually work so some have a way to go the portland airport is very nice and the last time i flew out of there i had a whiskey flight before my flight oh man that sounds nice <laughs> and it was way too expensive yeah the portland airport is pretty great that's where i didn't buy any of those famous portland donuts until they i went to the what blue star, blue star that was yeah. in the airport so and then just brought it home i was sitting on my airplane with my box of donuts uh, like i'm some fancy courier or something <laughs> uh simpsons loves to joke about breaking faberge eggs like yeah. no matter who the showrunner is they just destroy faberge eggs a well, lot uh, ming vaz is hack yeah faberge <laughs> eggs is where it's at <laughs> yeah they've sort of like i don't know they've they've mentioned what like three times but i feel like they own it enough to the point where if i make a faberge egg joke like that's what i'm referencing and not the actual existence of these <laughs> valuable eggs <laughs> which uh, again there's only uh very very few of them in existence yeah. That's that's why it's funny to see one get smashed as a fruity egg. We talked about the history of them in Round Springfield. Oh, yes. Yeah. I also like implicit in that liver joke is that someone is dying because they didn't get that liver. So... <laughs> <laughs> also, my reasoning that Barney is in the airport bar instead of at Moe's is because Moe is among the mob at the airport, uh, so he must have followed him there and is <laughs> drinking there because Moe's is closed. Moe's a provider of beer. <laughs> I was disappointed the airport bar was literally called airport bar. You know what? Yeah. That. They didn't really put up much effort on that one. Yeah, you know what? You're used to more sign gag effort in Simpsons than that. That's That's true. The Simpsons will be right back. Thanks for setting aside your pile of leader beans long enough to check out this week's episode of Talking Simpsons. And a big thank you to our guest this week, Connor Stoka, coming back on here to talk about the joy of sect. And we thank him so much. All you guys should check him out on Twitter, read his books, listen to the riff tracks he writes, all that stuff. Thank you so much, Connor, and for coming back on the show. And you guys, if you like hearing this podcast but wish it came a week early and didn't have ads like this one in it, then you need to head to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Talking Simpsons Network subscribers get access to every podcast a week ahead of time and ad-free. And the same goes for What a Cartoon, our sister podcast where me and Bob each week go through a different animated television series in the same style as Talking Simpsons. Not to mention, if you sign up at $5 a month, you'll get access to a ton of original miniseries. Like right now, brand new, we are doing every week an episode of the first season of King of the Hill. You can hear me and Bob talk about that classic Texas twang of a series, one episode at a time for the whole first season. Only if you are a $5 and up patron. And if you did that, you'd get access to our previous miniseries where we talked about 
the entire series of The Critic on Talking Critic and when we did the entire first season of Futurama for Talking Futurama. So much is available to you and that's just the beginning. You also get access to all of our original interviews with tons of folks who have worked on The Simpsons. Be sure to check all of that out at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you're fancy enough to have your own hover bikes, then you need to sign up at the $10 and up level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. What do you get? Not only will you get access to our entire collection of original videos that we did of Simpson-y content, like me and Bob going through the entire catalog of Tracy Ullman's shorts, but also you'll get to hear our monthly What a Cartoon Movie Podcast. Only $10 and up patrons can hear me and Bob each month talk about a different animated feature film for three hours or more on movies as diverse as Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, Kiki's Delivery Service, Akira, a goofy movie, The Secret of Nim, and soon Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You'll hear all of those only if you're a $10 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. So please consider signing up, folks. So Homer, I don't think this exists in the airports anymore either. The people who bother you towards the gate. like No, they... I mean, I think they're just considered a security risk now. Like, you shouldn't <laughs> be at the airport if you're not flying. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, but these are the, uh, these religious nuts, it, it feels like a kind of a callback to the, the Homer and Apu gag of the, 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 the Christians at the Indian airport. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess that was sort of like a, sort of a, a 80s. Like, you, I, I would assume that if you watched any, one of the 17 Police Academy movies, they would be <laughs> joke about Harry Christians at an airport. Yeah, the airport film, the airplane films must have had a joke about them in there. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, there is one. A, there must be a Harry Krishna joke. I can there. see it foggily in my memory. <laughs> uh, but yes, Homer, Homer thinks they're all bullshit, except for one. Have you heard of Krishna consciousness? This part is a crazy man. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right, that'll work. A new and better life awaits you on our distant home planet, Plistonia. <laughs> Makes sense. We're having a free get acquainted session at a resort this weekend. How much is this free resort weekend? It's free. And when is this weekend? It's this weekend. Uh huh. And how much does it cost? Um, it's free. I see. And when is it? It's this weekend. And what are you charging for this <laughs> free weekend? Come on, Dad. The team's arriving. It's free, right? I love that run. <laughs> I, uh, and when is this weekend is my favorite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's always fun to get Homer in a vaudeville-style act of just completely not understanding something. It feels like an accentuation of the VIP conversation mm. he had years ago. So the Blistonia bit there, obviously when you know about Xenu, yeah. that it, it immediately pulls your mind to that. But that is what Heaven's Gate thought, too. They did think they would be mm. teleported. Or I guess in their minds, when they died, they were teleported 
transported to that comet to go to another planet. Like it's Xenu is not alone as the outer space destination of your consciousness in a cult. But now all I can think of when I see Blistonia or hear it is Xenu and uh, their their outer space colonies. And uh, I love the designs on the movementarians too. Like they're weird, ill-fitting suits. Yeah, they're very drab looking. Yeah, the woman's haircut is very odd. Yes, it it fits with her like like that's Pamela Hayden, right? Yeah, like, they they look malnourished. They're yeah. eating all that gruel. <laughs> I don't know if their skin is a different tone. They just look like sickly. They do look slightly sicker. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, her haircut especially is uh, it's like a He-Man wig on her or something. And uh, yeah, when you see the leader on the brochure, it immediately looks like Elron Hubbard or what Elron Hubbard imagined himself to look like, not necessarily what he did look like. If you look up Raiders owner Mark Davis, you guys are from the Bay. Area. Oh yes, yeah. That's her haircut. Oh, totally. Oh my God, Mark Day. Uh, Mark Davis, Bob. You should know about Mark Davis. He's one of the the greatest fail sons in the NFL. Oh, he, he looks it. Yes, yes. he looks like uh, he should be like a little stinker character with a big lolly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, he and he inherited from his father who lived to like late nineties. Yeah, uh, and like you know looked like he was in his late one hundred and thirties. I know it was. He seemed like a uh, a terrible person to hang out with, but he was just an intriguing character of like just live forever be 107 and running the raiders still (laughs) i'm looking at pictures of him now and uh i mean i know the term beaten with the ugly stick i think he was burned in an ugly fire (laughs) is that safe to say (laughs) uh yeah the uh well actually speaking of football teams springfield is here to welcome them back Mm. uh with violence and beat them up like that's I, I wonder how much of a turnout losing teams get when they come back from the Super Bowl. I've never I've never really paid attention to that or lived in a... When I lived in markets where the team lost the Super Bowl, I never really uh, paid attention to what happened uh, to them when they That's got home. Point, yeah. That's something that probably only happens in, in movies. People turn out to applaud the team that lost. <laughs> There's got to be like a couple dozen diehards who show up. I think we just have parades now. Like we, uh, the Golden State Warriors, they always win still. Uh-huh. That still happens. I think so. Yeah. And there's always parades for them when, they, when they're done. <laughs> well, they're either the, they're either winner or they lose to LeBron James' team. So it's yeah. one of those two things. I, I don't know where we're at now in the uh, the play. Again, I, this we are not sports fans. But I also just love the idea of these giant football men beaten up by regular people. <laughs> <laughs> and then they blow up another plane two yeah. planes blow up in two minutes in this episode. i love harry doing another very dumb guy voice yes even though we lost i like that line um so they're talking over the free weekend and homer is uh, set up as quite the pigeon as as we already noticed in that part yeah. party episode. back-to-back pigeon episodes i've never heard of these movementarians are they some kind of church? Who cares what it is? The point is, these are some decent, generous people that I can take advantage of. But what if they try to talk us into something? Marge, Marge, Marge. Remember when those smooth-talking guys tried to sell me a timeshare vacation condo? <laughs> you bought four of them. Thank God the check bounced. No, I beat the system. Watch yourself, Dad. You're the highly suggestible type. Yes, I am the highly suggestible type. <laughs> so what I was curious about is that uh, when he says he's he's good, decent people that he can take advantage of, that never really comes into play. He sort of just goes there no. and goes fishing. And, yeah. uh, he just gets distracted. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand the free weekend exactly what he thinks he's getting out of it, but... Uh, 
I mean, he can go fishing anywhere, I suppose. Well, also, like, Homer's interest in fishing kind of p- appears every <laughs> 100 episodes, pretty much. <laughs> like, I guess dad's fish, sure. Yeah. By by virtue of being a father. That that does feel like a outsider of The Simpsons writing something of, like, yeah. Homer must love fishing. He's a, an American man. Sure. Homer, Homer and Lisa have two very good responses at that dinner table where he's just like, this one especially of, I am the very highly suggestible <laughs> type. I do really like the gag about Homer. Homer in a very dad move misremembers. Like, yeah, remember? I took uh, yeah. those people like, no, you didn't. You wrote them a check. But he beat the system. You did you do beat the by not having money. It wasn't a check bouncing scenario, but I did beat the system one time where I realized I got scammed on like a buy magazine subscriptions type person. Hmm. But I wrote them a check and then immediately, like twenty minutes after they left, I was like, wait a minute. No, no, no. Can't cancel that check. This isn't real. I didn't get a magazine subscription i don't think henry weekly exists (laughs) (laughs) those iraqi veterans aren't getting any money of this money i bet did you guys ever uh back in 2005 maybe use any like the free ipod sites no no no. you would like sign up for a weird you know just just things that don't exist anymore but they were like based on referral fees you'd sign up for like this is the home improvement club and you're gonna get and then it would charge you like 60 dollars after the first month wow but if you were if you were into the free ipod getting seen like i was because they had more than just ipods you could uh you people revealed that paypal gave you like a virtual credit card number and that virtual credit card number would not let them charge anything more than what your paypal balance was which of course was zero so it was the perfect way to avoid those scams you're scamming the scammers that is you you did beat the system (laughs) man that's nice i had a non-free ipod i'm getting screwed (laughs) you know the closest i had to being scammed i can remember now i was worried i didn't have health insurance because i had just gone to be unemployed so i was like how do i get health insurance and then i uh went to a website that was like obamacare.com that's just it was a lie it was a scam site to get your information and i filled out stuff and then uh, coincidentally that same night it was one of the eight times i've ever taken a uh, marijuana edible and uh, and that <laughs> yeah, night I i'm glad you know exactly how many times yeah i it's it's a low number because every time what happens happened that night too where i woke up at 2 a.m and my mind was just thinking like oh no i gave it to the wrong people i have to i have to i have to uh, get my information back i have to call whoever i can Okay, calling on the phone. Call. I just it. I was a wreck of anxiety. Yeah. Emailing m- multiple people, like canceling a credit card. It was uh, it was a rough night, and I feel like I would have taken it a little more relaxedly had I had I not been under the influence. I'm, I'm still. I'm. I'm really not sure still if the place I bought insurance from is a scam. But that's why marketplaces are great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, I like that this gag with um, with the check bouncing. It sets up Marge as the only smart person in this episode or is the only person who can't be scammed by them and it makes her the hero yeah. I, I like that they can't appeal to any of her weaknesses it seems even lisa <laughs> is swayed yeah actually marge uh that isn't consistent with her character in other episodes is she's actually a very trusting person who just like if she sees an alligator wearing sunglasses she's very impressed but uh <laughs> In this one, not so much. I, I like recasting. Marge almost never gets to be the hero, so it's it's fun that she gets to be that this time. So uh, Homer heads up to the Welcome Center. That feels very Scientology, though, again, the compound is much more Jonestown, Rajneesh kind of thing. But uh, calling it a Welcome Center, that felt very Scientology, mm-hmm. Scientology to me. 
this is the first utterance of Jerkass, and it's a big moment in the series, I think. As we've talked about it for actually years on this podcast, yeah. the character, the myth of Jerkass Homer. You said myth, so have you talked? I haven't listened to every episode, but like there hey. is a. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a narrative, right? And like most yeah. narratives, probably are truths and falsehoods to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is a bit of conventional wisdom, I would say, that this is the beginning of Jerkass Homer, and he says the word out of the way, Jerkass. But uh, through doing this podcast and looking at The Simpsons so closely, we've really realized like a lot of this conventional wisdom is not true, or it's just a good story, like mm-hmm. the whole thing about, sure. well, uh, The Principal and the Popper is a bad episode, and that's where The Simpsons changes forever. It's like, we, we've been doing this, we're past that, that's not true. Sure. And I think we convince most people out there that that is a fun episode, and that's very true mm-hmm. to Skinner's character. But it's easy to make... Part of myth making is to take signposts or like moments people remember yeah. that go around with like a general sense of decline of the show and then blame it on that. And I think also this myth making of it really centers around internet forums of like 1999 to 2007, you know? And this really is David Merkin's version of Homer. Yeah. Like, if you want to say Jerk Ass Homer started with a David Merkin show, it would have been Homer Goes to College. He is just as crazy <laughs> and violent in that one as he is in this one. Yes. And cruel, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I think if I had to say what makes Mike Scully's Homer different than David Merkin's, it's that his Homer is a little more sinister in his reasonings for cruelty, but they're both just awful people. Like yeah. Homer, yeah, like Homer and Homer Goes to College, which is an all-time great episode. Homer uh, runs over the Dean and makes <laughs> him apologize to Homer. And turns the Dean into his enemy for no reason. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. he's yeah, a... I think that there's, you know, it's, it's very hard for me to put my finger on like what's different about the Simpsons and you know whether it's this jerk ass narrative or not but for me it was it boils down to watching this episode or not that I think they were just more you know Homer goes to college was a lot more clever I feel like than this one and there's a there's a distinct moment like in a couple of minutes when he gets distracted and you know in Homer goes to college it was him getting distracted by a fighting a dog over a ham uh and in this episode is just a bird which, you know, I was sort of like, all right, it's pretty much the exact same gag, but mm. one just has a lot more effort put into it. And the other one was like, what could he be distracted by? A bird sounds good. Like, Yeah. And it's also, Homer was also distracted by a dog with a puffy tail yeah. as yeah. well. So yeah, it's like a third time getting that joke. This this is something that recur has been recurring a lot in our season nine episodes, which is even if I like the joke, which I actually, I'm not the biggest fan of like a bird distracted him, but I think like, this is a good joke, but I, know I've seen at least one other version of this joke before told in a previous Simpsons, whether the writer is aware of that or not. I mean, when you have the same writers writing the same show for so long, they have a style of comedy, and that doesn't mean they're stealing from themselves or reusing an old joke. They just came up with a joke they've come up with before and didn't realize it. It could could be as simple as that. Oh, I know how that works. That is (laughs) when you've been doing something like Rift Tracks for a decade plus, but I'm not doing that at the current exact moment, so I can criticize the hard work of others. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, as a as a joke writer, how do you feel about repeating yourself? Do you often question that because you have you guys have to write so many jokes for riff tracks? Is yeah, there I mean, ever the like thing um, that we have able to, you know, working in our favor is that there's at least a different canvas of a different movie every single time, so that makes you think about different things. And if you do make a, a similar joke intentionally, that like hopefully there's a different context to it. Uh, that said, you know, I'm hyper aware that we of course have made the same joke and it probably has been out of laziness when you're putting in six. 600 jokes in a in a 
two hour movie every that's now fair. and then. That's so, fair. Uh, no one's immune from that, obviously. Um, and it would be disingenuous to claim otherwise. But, you know, it just sometimes things stand out. And when the answer is that it was, you know, just a lazier, less clever version of something, it's something that Simpsons fans are going to notice. Yeah, yeah. Especially obsessives who break down every second of the show like, <laughs> uh, like us. I hate those weirdos. <laughs> I guess my final thought on Jerk Ass Homer, now that we've arrived to the titular jerkass dave merkin is the inventor of jerkass homer this is a dave merkin episode he made the truly sociopathic amoral hilarious violent homer that we all loved from seasons five and six he was gonna give uh, ned's uh, not gonna flog it yes happily <laughs> happily david merkin for very comedic purposes sold out the character of homer in seasons five and six in season seven and eight bill and josh tried to dial it back or in episodes like homer's enemy really dug into what an awful type of person that jerk ass homer is and how it could drive one insane to be around him then when you come into the mike scully years mike scully was just more into that type of mean-spirited homer and created his own version of it but it's not jerk ass homer is four years old at the time of this episode mm -hmm. and i think it's very telling that you know the time he said jerk ass that everybody coined the name of it is in a dave merkin episode that is intentionally made more like a season six episode and not in a season nine style that everybody blames on mike scully sure and like you know when you're talking about it like the the name the, the jerk ass name which they doubled down on twice in the episode it's not particularly <laughs> clever or you know it's even you know he's applying it to like a collection of people so it's not even you know grammatically correct when he's doing it so it just it seems sort of like seems kind of first drafty to me i don't know yeah yeah, yeah now jerk ass is the joke is how uncreative homer is being with his insults though it's that also is uh can work as kind of a balm over the uncreativity of the term <laughs> sure uh but yes let's let's hear the moment jerk ass was invented Fishing, 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 fishing. Hi, how are you? Fishing. It certainly is a beautiful day. We should thank the leader. Who the hell is that? Some kind of leader? Yes, he's the head of our perfect family. And when our galactic vehicle is complete, he will take us to our new home, Blistonia. Why don't you come chat with us about the leader at the Welcome Center? Will there be beer? Beer is not allowed. Oh, may no function beer well without. Would you rather have beer or complete and utter contentment? What kind of beer? The leader knows how miserable you, Marge, Lisa, Bard, and Maggie are. Really? I'm surprised about Maggie. <laughs> Just come up and watch her orientation film. You're free to leave at any time. Whoa, a free movie! Thanks! Out of my way, jerk ass! <laughs> Homer is an obnoxious monster. Like that's that's the gag there. At least he's being cruel to the right people. Yeah, you know, yeah. they are cult members who want to recruit all. <laughs> who wants to steal all his money and are clearly stalking him to learn in a pre-Google age to know that all about his family. Cults had to work back then. Now everybody, including me, just reveals all your secrets as a per as an internet personality. I take online quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Homer's. Like who the hell is that? Some kind of leader? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Them being a dry cult, you know, withholding alcohol is another part of the mental conditioning of some cults. That, to me, is the explanation of some of Homer's in mania later in this episode, that yeah. he is going through detox and he's oh, just losing okay. his mind from no alcohol. So he's going through withdrawal. That is that is my assumption there. Yeah, makes him go crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, that's, t no TV, no beer. Wow. 
The only TV he's getting is this uh, is the cult movie, which uh, is six hours long. Yeah, and uh, I love the line of like, once we collect enough money for fuel, that's that's a great bit. Uh, and yeah, the the spotlighting of people to prevent them to leave from peer pressure. Yeah, that's uh, that also feels very like Scientology for sure. They're not technically being held captive. Yes, yeah, you're free. But it's like social pressure will keep you there. I love that they have kind of like their legal guideline of like you're free to go whenever you want, but um, why? Why would you leave? It's great. Yeah, and Otto's reasoning is because it, it reeks of the wacky tobacco, which is an odd, uh, you know, <laughs> when when your when your jacket smells like Otto, like that's a uh, <laughs> it seemed like an, an odd thing for him to object to. Yeah, that's odd. you know what? Yeah, that actually is odd. Why would he be? Why would that push him away? We see uh, <laughs> Mr. Burns's head in this uh, yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. Was, was were there any Mr. Burns jokes in this? I can't remember. I don't think there were. There's a big Mr. Burns joke in the oh, middle. Yeah, oh, right, yeah, yeah. right. Oh, sorry. I mean, at the, oh, at at the, the compound. No, no. no, no. So at the yeah. time I watched it, I kept an eye on that because he was like, this is the first I'm hearing about this. And I'm like, well, you clearly saw his head uh, when you see <laughs> yeah. a different angle. It's Kirk Van Houten in the front of it. Ah, uh, uh, so either they so. miscolored Kirk Van Houten or like a character was mixed up in the yeah. arts, I guess. Yeah. Someone must have thought it was Burns. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I know the one Burns scene because it's so great, but I didn't know if he actually had any lines at this. I totally forgot. And uh, they say on the commentary, the six-hour length of it, or the very long length of the movie, is uh, that's actually based on Est, the uh, the 70s oh. cult. Uh, well, guide li- like guide to life. I don't know if they're fully a cult, but... It was depicted in the Americans. The uh, That's yeah. all I know from. Uh, Est's thing, all I know about it is that it's a long meeting, and they won't let you leave to go to the bathroom, and that's what drives you crazy. You gotta hold it, and it uh, it breaks you down. Sounds like a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> though, though also that yeah this uh this movie they're watching i can't place what uh, which one it was but i remember in the pre john stewart daily show and they made more more made fun of like weird people than partic- any particular political thing i remember they had a video like this on there of some cult that they had found and mm. it, it was about laughing at the horrible production design of this uh this cult video which is definitely there's some plan nine from outer space type jokes in here yes. too oh sure ufos on fishing wire and <laughs> totally looking like a pie tin and the blistonia <laughs> is like of of reverse colored earth pl- uh, globe i guess once we collect enough money for fuel <laughs> our leader will throw open the doors of the forbidden barn where we will all board our intergalactic vehicle rows one through 31st Upon our arrival, we will begin our new perfect lives on Blistonia, well known for its high levels of bliss. Hey, I don't know about you, but uh, they're not exactly winning me over with these lousy production values here. I'm going to slip out. Uh, you're free to leave whenever you want, but uh, would you mind telling us why? Oh, I just didn't, uh, I didn't think, um, oh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Man, this whole place puffs in the wacky tobacco. I'm out of here. <laughs> Going somewhere? Uh, though you're free to do so. Uh, <laughs> now, just rearranging my underwear. Ah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I love that. Good joke. Yeah, that's good. What do you make of the rows one through thirty-first line? I guess it's a a boarding joke of like uh, everybody boards the plane this, in certain order. This like mythical religious thing still has just a boarding process. Yeah, I, I guess that's it. <laughs> you know, speaking of repeated jokes, that not a guarantee. That's yep. uh, a reused joke in Simpsons history, too. Oh, yeah. right. 
Yeah, each cell is guaranteed to increase in value. Not a guarantee. <laughs> yeah, again, another David Merkin episode, too. Checks so. will not be honored. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then Homer, though, he wasn't paying attention. He just shut down his brain and made up a movie in his head, which that seems almost too creative for Homer, I think. I think he should just be, cl- when he closes his eyes, he just sees Turkey in the Straw playing in his head. <laughs> That's what it should be. Uh, but yes, after the film, six hours. My God, I've never, I've never even, like, for a thing I like, sat still for six hours. Wrestling. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah. I challenge you. Actually, I'm about to do <laughs> that this weekend for WrestleMania. That'll be wow. uh, probably eight hours. I 18 think, glorious hours. <laughs> you're, you're invited over, Bob. Uh, you can have some wrestling fun. Wild horses could be production values. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The production values. They can't be beat. Yeah. <laughs> they look like human beings yes, almost. Uh, well, of course, they're not treated like human beings if you no. watch that new John Oliver uh, piece on them being independent contractors. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So Homer. Then he's distracted by a dog with a no, not a dog with a puffy tail, just a bird like that. Yeah, you know what? A bird that's not even detailed enough. I have to say, at least a dog with a puffy tail that's a little extra than just a dog. A bird. Yeah, yeah. it's a hilarious uh, detail that you know no one would ever notice in real life, but it's a. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, the difference between those two is stark in my mind. And uh, so then they're trying their next thing. You know what? I think Carl got caught because he wasn't hanging out with Lenny. Uh, they need to be together to protect each other. <laughs> Lenny would have kept him strong. Like, I think uh, maybe he and Carl were on the outs, and that's why Carl got uh, picked up by the the movementarians. I think, you know what? The movementarians were at the airport. All the people who beat up the football players were at the airport. They must have all been tricked together. Oh, the you're whole right. same mob. This this is my theory here. No, it makes sense. It tracks. It tracks. <laughs> so now they're trying to break Homer with the circle of judgment, which is uh, in, in the cult of Mao, in Maoist circles, was called a struggle session. Is Was the ironic name for friends of the show, their <laughs> podcast, Leslie Lee and uh, Jack Allison. Like, uh, they, their podcast is not literally a struggle session which is very effective at breaking people down by just screaming at them and uh, tearing them apart. Homer's kind of acting like Ned did in Hurricane Nettie. <laughs> yeah. When Homer yeah. had to make Ned mad, he wouldn't Boy, get mad. Boy, this is also kind of a repeated joke then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they definitely were burdened with a smaller staff. That, yeah. Like, uh, but I still think this is better than the Gene and Reese smaller staff. No, episodes. I totally like, agree. Like Simpson Tide in a couple episodes. This is funnier than that. Here, here is the circle of judgment. The circle of judgment never fails to destroy their self-esteem. Then he'll be ours to mold. Let the judgment begin. (laughs) I'll get the ball rolling. You're a fat idiot. Yeah, lose some weight. <laughs> hey, man, you're fat. Moron type. Yeah, I guess I could lose a few pounds. And I can be kind of thick sometimes. <laughs> you failed at everything you've ever tried. Whoa, you got my number on that one, buddy. This is a smart group. <laughs> and your stink brings tears to my eyes. Now, wait a minute, Mo. <laughs> oh, my mistake. <sighs> It's hard to hear Otto's insult. He's like, you're a fat, moron type, fatso, fat. That gave me a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, Homer is just, this is the only time Homer has not been sensitive about himself. (laughs) That auto line is very uh, gazorpa zorp field. (laughs) It did feel kind of Rick and Morty-ish. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I would bet that's Harry Shearer just ad-libbing and uh, acting like an unintelligent person. I like that. 
And uh, yeah, Homer Homer almost disagrees, but smelling his underarm made him realize, like, yeah. oh, I, I really am. Oh, wow. I wonder if he improved his hygiene living at Moomitary. It should take away his most improved odor trophy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and so, yes, they, they are having trouble breaking Homer. They won't even, they're eating all this gruel, which the low-protein gruel is killing the, uh, the stamina of everybody else there, which, again, is... Uh, uh, a, a real tactic of cults controlling your diet to control uh, get, keep you pliable is, is part of it I think the military does it too uh, anyway <laughs> uh, Homer <laughs> Homer also though it, they finally break him because they realize he loves the Batman theme which I like the line everyone loves a droning repetitive chance <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they they talk about too how they love to use the Batman theme. Family Guy has uh, the creators on that have said this too. If you use the Batman theme when you're a Fox show, you can just do it for free because Fox owns it. Mm, so oh well. they can just uh, and now Disney owns it, I guess. Boy, this is really complicated. Now, I hadn't thought about the thing with the Adam West Batman show. The reason it wasn't on DVD for the longest time was because Warner Brothers and Fox jointly owned it. Like Fox owns the show, but Warner owns the Batman characters. So they can only release it together. And it took them 20 years of DVDs to finally put it out. And uh, now, though, Disney owns it. And I would think Warner is even less likely to work with Disney mm. on releasing those. So I bet uh, I bet my unopened Blu-ray box set of the Batman 66 is only going up in it's value. A, it's appreciating right now. <laughs> uh, but yes, let's hear Homer breaking. You going to finish that, Boney? <laughs> let's try the chant. Everyone loves a droning, repetitive chant. Attention, everyone. Let's all give thanks to the leader for this glorious day. The, the leader, leader is good. The, the leader, leader is great. We surrender our will as of the state. The leader is good. The leader is great. We surrender our will as of the state. It's no use. He's obviously the most powerful mind we've ever dealt with. Or, na 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 leader. Na 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 leader. Na 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 leader. Na 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 leader. I really like the original chant that has some legalese baked in. Oh, yeah. It's like, as of this date. As of this date. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Well, yeah. They're doing that chant. There's an excellent uh, front-facing Simpsons of Mo. He has a very strange expression there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, Mo is one of the worst front-facing characters. Like, Mo and Burns <laughs> just look like uh, goblins when they're front-facing. Uh, my, my favorite uh, member of the audience there is Frank because... Once he just loses all energy, he still is chanting, but oh, his yeah. head is on the table. And so he's like wiggling his head like while smashing his nose in the ground, but still saying all the chants. It's it's really well done animation. It's on a nice him. touch. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, the director, Stephen Dean Moore, and his team did, did a really good job there with all the chanting. And yeah, that whole, the miscavige of this group uh, here, he finally realized like they were overthinking tricking Homer. Like they don't need all these things to trick Homer. They only need to receive the Batman theme. That's all they had to do. He may not have been the brilliant negotiator that he was led to believe. <laughs> yeah, and I love the way Homer jumps up to say Batman instead of leader. Like, that's that's a nice little extra stupidness to him. Here we get another David Merkin touch, which I love, which is the uh, the double fake out of the coming back from a commercial break with 
obviously, if you've ever paid attention on, you know, animated sitcoms, like South Park made a lot of fun of Family Guy for this. What? I can't believe you did this. Or what are you talking about? All these things is an excuse to restate what happened in the previous act. And so here Marge does it, but it doesn't take. So she has to say it a second time. And there's like a second establishing shot of the house. It yeah. cuts back outside <laughs> yeah. of the house for her to go, what? Again, to like restart the scene. It's very clever. Yeah, it's very clever. I really enjoyed that. If you've ever taken a uh, an improv class, in about lesson three, they'll get to you uh, you you being able to tell your other characters, you always do this, mm-hmm. so, so you can uh, <laughs> so you can establish that as a uh, as a behavior. Oh, that's a good trick. You know, I've noticed that in improv, but I never i i stopped at class two when it started being uh, hard. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Like this. You wanted a challenge you could do. Yes, yeah. I was like, no. The point of this improv class is that you all think I'm funny and do what I say. <laughs> you what? Come again, Marge? You what? I've joined the Movementarians, and so have all of you. We what? All I had to give them was our life savings, the deed to the house, and a commitment of 10 trillion years of labor. I can't go along with this, Homer. Marge, when I join an underground cult, I expect a little support from my family. Dad, do you think you might have been brainwashed? I have not been brainwashed. Kill the girl. Kill the girl. Homer! What? What did I say? Church, <laughs> cult, cult, church. So we get bored someplace else every Sunday. Does this really change our day-to-day lives? Of course not. Except that we're all moving to the movementarian agricultural compound to be near the leader and serve him. I'm not leaving my home. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. I'm afraid it's our home now. This house will become the new local welcome center for this district. And it didn't cost us a dime. Bart's line on uh, cult, church, church, cult. I like that. That made me laugh as a smug atheist as a kid. Yeah, uh, that one's <laughs> a good one. I still think that the uh, the you did what is clever, but I prefer the uh, I borrowed your nail clipper. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, inversion what? of that. Uh, You're that right. Trope. This is just a bunch of recycled jokes. You're Listen, you are destroying this episode for me. <laughs> they've almost written 200 at this point. <laughs> I I still love this episode, me but too. you haven't defeated me yet, Connor. <laughs> I, All right, <laughs> we'll see who wins. I also, boy, this feels like a joke. Macrainy would not been okay with of Homer almost strangles Lisa to death. Yeah, and uh, I like that. I love that Homer brags that it didn't cost them a dime to give away everything they owned. So I think I still <laughs> think he's um, he thinks he's taking advantage of them. I yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, that he's getting Homer definitely thinks he's getting a really good deal yeah. out of this. Most cults expect you to be a slave for them, but I think the triple lifetime contract or whatever that's Scientology for sure. Yeah, they sign you to billion year contracts, which seems uh, illegal. That are unbreakable. Unbreakable. <laughs> and then we get a great joke about the media. Again, Dave Merkin, it's a, it's another of his greatest hits, making fun of the media and how easily purchasable they are. Springfield has been overrun by a strange and almost certainly evil sect calling themselves the Movementarians. In exchange for your home and all your money, the leader of this way out and wrong religion claims he'll take believers away on his spaceship to the planet Blistonia. Excuse my editorial laugh. <laughs> but... Ladies and gentlemen, I've just learned of a change in this station's management. <laughs> Welcome, movementarians. Continue to improve our lives. I love you, Perfect Leader, and new CEO of KBBO Broadcasting. They're really taking over Springfield. They really they're, are. They're conquering yeah. Springfield. The uh, picture of the leader before they change it, the stock photo is pretty pretty great. It's pretty yeah. yeah, I love that. It's a wife beater and smoking a cig. <laughs> <laughs> I also love, I love the drawing of Kent when he says, with open arms, I yeah. love you, Perfect leader. That's that's great. And yeah, this 
this is what happens. Cults get influence in the media and get good coverage. Like, or the, you know, Jonestown had a ton of that in the San Francisco area. They were pretty friendly with Diane Feinstein. That's uh, true, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, again, I learned this from the last podcast on the last That's a podcast, really, so. really good five-part series they did. Yeah. The Jonestown thing is very, as, as somebody who, you know, moved to the Bay Area a long time after that, I was shocked to hear what an institution Jim Jones was here and how, what Oakland, a respected yeah. leader he was in the area until uh, until the uh, the Kool-Aid incident, as we'll call it. It sure would be bad if media companies were bought out by people who then influenced their messaging. <laughs> that, that wouldn't be good. They move into their compound. They're going to be living there for 100,000 years. <laughs> until something opens up in a double. And so they're all splitting the room. And uh, another Merkin Greatest Hits, the return of the Little Bastard brand. I was so happy. So before we saw the clock tampering kit and the boy who knew too much, and also the traveling Little Bastard kit from Itchy and Scratchy Land, that's when he had the smoke bombs and things like that. <laughs> so uh, now it's back. Now there are two new ones. Yes. Oh, and- man, yeah, I wanted to look them up, but you can't uh, you can't X search for text on screen. So mm. stuff like that always proves difficult. There are wiki entries for the Little Bastard kits. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> that's yeah, where I found pictures. Merkin loved those little, but I mean, I think because Merkin uh, in his youth was a little bastard and would have uh, loved to have those kits. You can also just, uh, in the world of The Simpsons, buy a kit for children of like, yeah, you can tamper with these things or brainwash people or all this stuff. It's uh, Plenty of tools for prying and jimmying. <laughs> Bart is easily taken care of thanks to the Little Bastard brainwashing kit. Homer apparently loves CB radio too, which uh, was a surprise to hear. Uh, and yes, also of jokes that made a uh, very smug atheist laugh. I, uh, I, Me too. Yes, the, the gags about Reverend Lovejoy here is something else. Homer Simpson, your family will be housed here for the first 100,000 years. Then something might open up in a double. Huh, why even unpack? Dad and all these other people are obviously the products of mental conditioning. Yeah, maybe it'll wear off, like his interest in CB radio. That's a negatory good, buddy. <laughs> I kind of think it's cool. Just pretend you're in a zombie movie. Besides, this is just another place for me to wreak my special brand of hysterical havoc. These rubes and robes haven't met the likes of Bart Simpson before. (laughs) Instantly. I love the leader. Of course you do. This so-called new religion is nothing but a pack of weird rituals and chants designed to take away the money of fools. Let us say the Lord's Prayer 40 times, but first let's pass the collection plate. Uh, very, very good. Yes. Uh, that's one of three really good Lovejoy jokes that Merkin gets in. Again, he's all about institutions. Yeah. And taking them down. <laughs> well, in the commentary, they talk about how they wanted to be fair in in the sense that, like, well, if we're making fun of these new religions, I mean, we should mock the other, the established ones. Like, they, they joke on the commentary of, like, a, a religion is a cult that's been around for a thousand years. That's that's what, especially just the, the snap, the whiplash of, like, say the Lord's Prayer 40 times and pass around the collection plate. That's That was very funny. The only people who are not brainwashed yet are the Flanders and Lenny. <laughs> Yeah. Somehow Lenny. Poor Lenny. He's probably looking for Carl. You know what? Lenny must be living in his just empty shack and (laughs) wondering where everybody went. It is a pretty, uh, I mean, you know, 
of course that's that's the way it works but it is nice to have a a ned type of figure that is makes sense for them to be the one person that helps them get free at the end it really works uh, they set up ned strongly here as uncultable because he is just <laughs> so d- dedicated to christianity he would never join a cult he's their savior once again pretty thanklessly actually as as their savior <laughs> absolutely I, I do enjoy the extra big collection plates yes yeah the emergency one <laughs> as uh, as we see that the uh, the basically the entire town is in the cult now we go back to the harvesting <laughs> and uh, they say on the commentary that this is very directly based on the 1980s uh bogwan cult uh, that okay. uh, was living in oregon at the time marge thought yeah. her harvesting days were over when she married homer <laughs> That was, was a really promised. funny line. I, I will give them that one. But yeah, when I watched, what was it Wild 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 Country? I yeah, watched it yeah. last year when it came out, and the I think the Rolls Royce was the thing that clicked with it for me. Him driving around and in that was the uh, the, the real tip off about it being the Rajneeshis. I got to watch that. I because I love I love a docu series. I love learning about cults, and and I don't know that much about uh, the Bogwan cult other than it's uh, it sounds really interesting. Yeah, it was as I recall, it was interesting. As I recall, it was uh, you know like any Netflix show about could have been cut down by about 75% and still <laughs> been just as effective. But yeah, they did sort of come into a, a small town and essentially do what the movementarians did. Just, just <laughs> really, really take it over by virtue of exploiting, you know, uh, municipal loopholes and stuff like that. So um, it, it was pretty spot on. And, you know, when, when they were making this episode in 98, I guess that would have been fresher in people's mind, especially if you were from out West, but it's uh, would have been a lot harder to research and to get people to remember it. So um, yeah, it's an impressive impressive job on that on that front and farming was a big part of it too right that is something that i do not remember but uh, but the lima bean harvest is a great (laughs) for a cult to be doing like that's uh one of the worst vegetables so a a, a funny thing too no one wants them no one likes lima beans whenever i have beans in something that they're never of the lima variety i don't know what they're included (laughs) in right and like you know the the fact that you can just add corn to lima beans and it's magically succotash like (laughs) i didn't know this oh yeah my that was a that was a staple growing up it was green giant succotash which was just corn (laughs) beans which is a uh, a bizarre combination that is weird (laughs) (laughs) i I had no idea what 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 sylvester was referring to when he said suffer and Succotash? I assumed it was a food item, but I didn't know it was just two vegetables next to each other. <laughs> uh, that's probably the uh, the the poor man version of it. I'm guessing you probably could have had a uh, artisanal succotash that might have vegetable things, but no, it says <laughs> a uh, primarily sweet corn with lima beans. Hmm. So uh, yes, we the the forbidden barn opens, and we get to to hear about their bean harvesting. Uh, look, the forbidden barn opens. <laughs> We get to see the leader pass by. We toil in the fields and he rides around in a Rolls Royce. Yes, it would be nice if he'd buy American. But what are you going to (laughs) do? I'm covered in the dust of the leader. He favors me. I am even dustier, dustier than thou. Oh, look who the new pet is. I've never been so happy. The resentful of his leader, Mud. I love that. I love that Lisa points out the unfair distribution of, of labor there and that all Homer thinks about is not he didn't buy an American car. I like that. <laughs> if you're in a cult and you notice that one person gets a lot more stuff than everybody else, you maybe maybe that's when you <laughs> time to get out of that cult. No way, man. We're all just uh, temporarily inconvenienced future cult leaders. <laughs> exactly. We're all going to join our own cults. <laughs> I think, I mean, the writing was on the wall for Jimbo Jones. I, they say on that podcast series last 
podcast on the left, and I totally this is advice that I follow in my real life. If one of your friends starts wearing sunglasses indoors, they're they're in trouble. And that's all Jimbo Jones did for like the last five years of his life. They're hiding something if they're wearing sunglasses inside and at all times. There's something going on. I forgot the character in The Simpsons of Jimbo Jones was named oh, after Jim Jones. Yeah. I did not. No, yeah, the, the sunglasses indoors. That It's that realization you have as an adult of like, oh, wait, my friend who always wore sunglasses was hiding his bloodshot eyes because he's constantly fucked up. That's bad. <laughs> The hand waving with the glove on. They have a, another funny and retrospect joke on the commentary where Lisa says, oh, is that a reference to like Mickey Mouse? And no, for plot purposes, it's so you can't tell it's a man or a woman's hand. Yeah. But ah. then they just joke about how powerful Disney is and how they own everything. <laughs> much funnier now, 12 years later, after they've recorded this uh, that commentary. Yeah, I mean, Merkin yeah. loved making fun of Disney. For so sure. naive at, at the time, though. <laughs> they laughed like, well, we'll never be owned by Disney. We have our own giant company. Like, But up next, we get like just a sketch about Mr. Burns. I, I like how it's just compact and isolated and just this <laughs> one, just like a couple of scenes all smashed together, a bunch of fun Burns jokes. This is my favorite bit of the whole episode, I think, Me actually. Too. Let's uh, let's give it the ceremonial. Uh, speaking of repetitive chants, uh, the line of the episode jingle. That's the joke, Smithies. Why haven't I heard of this? The leader. He's as rich and wicked as I, but he seems to enjoy tax exempt status. <laughs> Actually, sir, with our creative bookkeeping and corporate loopholes, we only pay three dollars a year. <gasps> You're right. We're getting screwed. There must be something I can do about this. Wait. Yes, I think I know just the thing. <laughs> uh, sir? You have to tell me what your plan is or, or nothing will happen. Oh, yes, of course, the plan. <laughs> you see me as a guard, right, Smithers? Absolutely, sir. You'd kneel before me? Boy, would I. Yes, uh, then <laughs> I'll form my own religion. With its own symbol, we'll use this special K. I believe that's already a breakfast cereal, sir. And people worship it? In a way. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, how about this? Uh, why don't you leave the symbol to me, sir? And the symbol is a Christmas tree. Yes, yeah, that's all he's <laughs> left with. <laughs> that, uh, I think Smithers left it to the last days. Like, a uh, uh, Christmas tree with a B in it. Let's go with that. Oh, yeah. moment reminded me of, uh, if I can be self-indulgent, we did a, uh, a live read of my book for Sketchfest. You guys you guys came to the Rift Track show after that, but mm-hmm. there was a, we had to consolidate it down a bunch for the live show. But uh, at some point in time, there was a, a moment that in the real book ended a chapter, but uh, since it was consolidated, it was like, you know, you're going to, it was like, you know, the cliffhanger type of thing. Like, you're going to like this, you know, let the games begin. Uh, Andy Richter said that, and then a beat, and then Janet Varney was like, you're just going to say, let the games begin and sit here awkwardly. And like, well, this was, we had to stitch things together for the, for the library. This isn't the way. It, so maybe I was unconsciously influenced by this uh, moment in, in the episode. So oh, that's funny. I feel yeah. like it's been a, been a while since we got this much burns in an episode too. Yes, yeah. like, I don't think Scully liked using burns as much as uh, Oakley and Weinstein and, uh, you know, yeah, I think they were kind of burns out, but man, I, Connor, I'm sorry. I didn't go to that. Re- that sounds so funny. I wish. I uh, yeah, that. it was a good moment. It was really fun to, uh, to, to hear that but and, you know, and what's the name of that book yeah <laughs> the full pole championship of the entire universe available as an audiobook with an all-star cast at audible wow i think we were mostly too busy freaking out about our own live show pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. man like that's what i like after that was done like that was just like 
three days of uh, anticipation and stress. And so <laughs> I, I didn't look at Twitter for 24 hours until that was done. So I missed you guys at the Rift Track show. But next time. Obviously. I mean, yeah, now I, I look back on all the times I tried to contact people who were in town for Sketchfest and see if they'd want to hang out or do podcasts even and i think back to how stressed out i felt every second working on a sketchfish show and i remember like i would have not replied to anyone or done anything for anyone because i was too stressed out about my stuff mm-hmm. right yeah <laughs> and you know you add on there's always other people who are doing the same thing to you at the same time so it's like you know, just leave me alone and let me entertain people <laughs> <laughs> okay i love this burn scene so much because i didn't know this about tax loopholes and how little uh yeah. corporations can pay that this line has always struck me as Especially like Burns is saying, you're right, we're getting screwed. Like the idea that he is even paying $3 to the government in taxes, he feels is a grand injustice. And so (laughs) he's not, he wants to get it down to zero, which getting getting tax exempt status as a church was the dream of Scientology as well. Like that's, that's the plan. Like you're, the corporation in America is more more protected from taxes than you would hope, Mm -hmm. but they are not completely void of it and uh and meanwhile scientology is because it is a church sort of like how uh technically apple is an irish company yes (laughs) and uh they pay no taxes (laughs) that might be apple uh a lot there's lots of tax shelters everywhere what I know of is Amazon. They, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of, there was news a few months, a couple months ago about how in 2018, Amazon paid no taxes. And their loophole is that you can, uh, which also our president enjoyed, which is if you <laughs> have, if you have a bad year, you count those losses, bad year uh, in quotes, you count those losses against all later taxes. So if you were in the negatives a certain year, then you can count that against all previous ones. So even though Amazon was, I'm sure, quite proud profitable in 2018 on paper they were not versus their previous year's uh losses that they're counting and so that's how they pay no taxes on that money this year i'm making much less than my projected one billion dollar profit so (laughs) i gotta count that against my taxes i wish i wish the government would listen to that (laughs) uh where i have taxes in mind a lot now because we literally are are paying our taxes this week so uh, it's always fun to do as an independent contractor boy oh boy mr burns falls Hundreds of feet. I love this. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. He is what dead. The suit was made of. That was what I was wondering the whole time. I like it. looks the... like Homer's when he's a solid gold man, but <laughs> yes. very yeah. quickly. He's glistening. He's got a fake beard and everything. I, I think it's some rubber type yeah. thing. The way it melts. Melts to his yeah. body. Yeah. <laughs> that he's originally. That's. I just love the god written out in fire spinning behind him that his strong man costume with his beard like it's all the the way they imagined a monster i wonder too if smithers is putting some of his sexual pathology onto burns's strong man costume as well could be could be that he designed that costume but (laughs) i think lenny didn't get snatched up by the movementarians because he worshiped special k (laughs) special k is a fine cereal i mean i i worship kashi more than that i'd say i like i really like the uh, stormtroopers there's like a half second shot of them yeah. just for no advancing into the crowd to intimidate them. <laughs> Those are the same stormtroopers who beat people at the end of his uh, birthday party. Oh, you're right, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, also they... Another uh, awkward in the future moment on the commentary. Merkin saying that the statues of himself and the posing of the spotlights and everything is directly a reference to Michael Jackson's His Story uh, music video. Okay. 
which uh, they they said was proof. Uh, Dave Merkin, while everyone else is quiet, Dave Merkin says, when I first saw that his story video, I was like, you know, I think something's a little off about this <laughs> Michael Jackson guy. I hope they tore those statues down like the Confederate uh, soldiers <laughs> statues. Yeah, they were like on the cover, but I think they they put them up all around the world. Like they had them just like erected in various uh, you know cities and stuff. That's bizarre. I didn't put the two and two together on that though. By the time his story came out, which was... Oh, I get it now. Yes. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, it... it it was like a mix of new st- songs and greatest so hits. Like Beatles anthology kind of thing? Well, but he, yeah. He, yeah, I guess. But he wrote more new songs, including a, a very controversial one that had a, a slur for Jewish people in it. And yeah, but the, really him building monuments to himself and about how he is the greatest victim in the world, like uh, that probably should have tipped some people <laughs> off about Michael Jackson at that point. Uh, now Michael Jackson jokes are not funny and uh, they just make you sad. So anyway... <laughs> Uh, yes, that Burns is dead. Like he, the way his the he is on fire and falls about like a hundred uh, like a hundred feet. And uh, Smithers just assumes he's alive. <laughs> yes, we'll try this again tomorrow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, behold your new god, Mister Burns. Ahoy, ahoy, lowly mortals! In addition to working for me, you may now praise me as your Almighty. Amen, sir. Uh, we'll try this again tomorrow. Uh, he's all right, but he's no bowl of special K. And also the Burns says, ahoy hoy, even, yeah. even as a cult leader. I, I love ahoy hoy. <laughs> and uh, yes, meanwhile, everyone's getting married. At least you got to choose your mate. We got matched up on the printout. Hey, remember our agreement? I'm the man. You're the man. I could have done a lot worse, Mother. Speak for yourself. (laughs) Sue, do you enjoy comic books? And who can tell me where thunder and lightning come from? Yes, Bart? The leader, ma'am. Very good, Bart. And who invented Morse code? Oh, I should know this one. The the leader? Ah, correct again. He's wrong! You're wrong! The whole damn system is wrong! Ah! What's the matter, Lisa? You used to be such a good student. Don't you want to please your teachers and get good grades? So they're winning over all the children. Lisa is one over with the prospect of good grades. <laughs> and I have to point out that in the next scene, uh, Maggie is being entertained by a Barney-style figure. Number one, 1998, last year you could do a Barney joke. Pretty Actually, much. you shouldn't have done it in the first place. <laughs> but if you go back to the 2 plus 2 is 4 from Rosebud, it's the exact same design and the exact same dance. Yep, yeah, you're right. I went back to Frankie. I'm like, oh my God, it's great. They reuse that same animation. <laughs> yeah, they, and their same Barney-esque design. I uh, The 90s were an era of parodic Barney. Barney designs, though this one really was just like, well, he's still purple and has the same shaped head, but a fin as well. So ten mm, percent different string. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish that Bart had given the answers of Bonerland and some guy for when he was yeah. searching. <laughs> but he, I, I love that he's searching his head for like uh, the leader. That's that's good acting there. The so the mass mass weddings that also was a very uh, that's done in many cults. Mm-hmm. I guess it felt very Jonestown, especially. This was the first time I really got the joke of I'm the man. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, because I I love the exchange that clearly Otto means that he is the man 
man in their relationship, yeah. which would uh, mean certain things in the bedroom, I would assume. Uh, though Barty just takes it as, you're the man. Yeah. Like He's like just the expression of like, you're the man. We're a few years before you're the man now, dog. Duh. You know, well, that's 2000 or maybe yeah, early Silverman. Wait, what was it called again? Finding Forrester. Finding Forrester. I confused that with Saving Silverman. <laughs> Somebody no. needs to be gerunded in some way. A male character. <laughs> Who is the comic book guy marrying? Was that? That it's wasn't like, Lurleen, was it? like it? Princess Cashmere with her hair up or in the yeah. air or something like that. It's like Princess Cashmere took Lurleen's hairstyle. I should have said after my nuptials, so do you enjoy comic books? You knew that was true. <laughs> I already know that to be the case with my with my partner, yes. It's kind of gross how, how excited Skinner is to marry his mother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Edna is there. Yeah. Come on. Hey, yeah, well, it's, hey, like, it's I don't, just who I don't you think, get matched up with. Yeah, I don't think they knew that continuity, Merkin and O'Donnell. Oh, yeah, that's true. They're, they're, they're in a satellite office writing this stuff. Yeah, that's, that's also true. Uh, well, yeah, well, speaking of Marsha Wallace, like... I think she does a very good job playing a brainwashed version of Edna. Very good, Bart. That's really good acting on her part. It does make me sad that even Mer- that even Lisa can be destroyed by this. Like you'd hope that she could be wouldn't be susceptible, yeah. but she's young. You know that's her, that's what I blame it on. Her great grubbiness gets yeah. in the way of her moral integrity. <laughs> I really like her chair kick over though. It's very like a, it's like a angry chief kind of thing. <laughs> sabotage video yes yeah i like the just her like when she kicks it it's good it's a nice like yardly she doesn't get to make noises like that too often as as lisa so i like her her really showing her anger there marge is really questioning things and she finds out she's the only one these lima beans are even better than the ones we had for breakfast and lunch oh a lima bean that looks just like the leader (laughs) i'll put it with the others Homer, you know I always try to put the best face on everything, but there's no face on that damn bean. We ate it here, and your family wants to leave. No, we don't, Mother. We love the leader. No! All righty, time for bed. <laughs> I'm leaving this place, and you'd better step aside. Lady, people are free to go whenever they wish. Then we get an extended prisoner parody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It felt weird. It was a pole vaulting scene. Oh, uh, right. Th- man, uh, th- is it accurate to your ideas of uh, idea of pole, vo- pole vaulting? It's about, yeah, it's about the height that the idiots in my book were competing at. Like, uh, <laughs> so you could easily jump over without a pole. <laughs> That's one of my favorite gags in this episode is it feels like a parody or a commentary on Twilight Zone endings where that would be, if this were a Twilight Zone episode or other, something else, Marge going, no, that's the end. Like that's a twist ending. But now it's a commentary. And like, well, it's, at a certain point, you have to start talking again. All righty, you don't just pass out. So it's just like pause. All righty, time yeah. to go to bed. Like I love that gag. That's a, that's a really funny gag. And just the the drawing on Marge, you know, tilting as she's screaming, and then it goes back to straight on. It is a great scream from Julie too. Yeah, yeah, she's really going for it. It does seem weird watching the squeaky voice teen smoke. Though that uh, that feels yeah, too bizarre. <laughs> and it's yeah, too wholesome for that. Homer with his leader beans. I I like that. And Marge is like, I can't put a face on that damn bean. Mm-hmm. Like she's Marge is broken. Homer just his shelf of leader beans. That's so funny. 
They would do a much longer prisoner parody later in the show. Like a few years later, they would have an entire act basically be the prisoner and yeah. Homer on an island. I found that one to be quite indulgent. This this one yeah. less so. Because the prisoner is still pretty obscure. I mean, I, yeah. I still haven't it seen it. It's something that as a kid I watched and was like, you know, this must be something, but there's <laughs> no way I can figure out what. <laughs> on, on, you know, it was one of those things that would rarely air on PBS, I think, because it's like, it was a BBC show, and so its legality in America uh, licensing like kind of went in and out. For the longest time, it was one of those shows like would be on lists of, put this on DVD, back when people bought DVDs. And then when they finally did, it was only available for like a year, and then it went back out of print. I remember when I worked at a video, a mom-and-pop video store in 07, our prisoner DVDs were usually out because we're in a college town, people are going to watch it. But if we lost one, like we were always worried every time we'd rent it out because we're like, if we lose one of these discs, our box set is ruined and we'll never get another one because it's out of print. In case anyone is wondering, The Prisoner is a 1967 uh, British series. Yes. Only 17 episodes, making it one of the longest British series in existence. (laughs) You know, I should really watch all of it. I've seen a few episodes. I mean, from what I have seen, if you were to see that 50 years ago, I could, there's nothing like it. It would blow your mind. Like for, for nerds then who nerds now are just inundated with so much media how can anything be special but when you have three television channels that show maybe one show that's geeky for you like star trek you then get the prisoner that that has to be it tastes like filet mignon to somebody who's been eating white bread the mm-hmm. the entire time and uh, but yeah the, the bubble scene i do love the animation of the bubble eating uh hans Mulder. that's exactly what happens i watched a clip it's exactly what happens in the prisoner you're taken back via bubble <laughs> and it's always the same stock footage though that i hear like matt graining uh and dave merkin have a disagreement on the commentary dave merkin's like i love that bubble matt graining's like that bubble looks like crap like, it's the <laughs> same shot every time uh the uh but yeah marge gets to have a big action scene which i like that a lot like just her her running and her like dun, 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 to, to the prisoner music they license the real music too and uh, the the gators, I like those gator designs too. And uh, clearly, people are dying leaving that place. Yeah. <laughs> Marge does escape, and uh, we get to see Reverend Lovejoy, and they really sell out his character here. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Oh, I never thought I'd have to do this again. Uh-huh. <laughs> Reverend Lovejoy, <clears throat> you've got to help me. My entire family has been taken in by the evil movementarians. Oh, I feel for you, my child, and I'd like to help you. Uh, Hmm. Now, how are we going to get my homie back? I'll kidnap him for 50, deprogram him for 100, and I'll kill him for 500. No, 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 just the first two. All right, I'll throw in the killing for three. I guess with Skinner and Krabappel and all the students being at the cult... Willie's got to work for the church now. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's keeping their ah. grounds. That's uh, there's that's the only reason he should really be there at night uh, to do the uh, the Jaws scene, which you talk about. It's too late for Barney jokes. It almost feels too late for Jaws uh, reference. I think I, it's always I, time for Jaws. I giggled at it. Yeah. I did, but uh, now it still feels like you know, friend of the show Leslie Lee the third. He he mentioned how like everybody. Back then, you could make a Jaws reference or a Scarface reference, and you could count on everybody knowing it. Uh, Of stuff made in the last 10 years... 
can media do that? Can media really pick a thing from like a movie or a TV show that's happened in the last 10 years, maybe Game of Thrones, but like it's, so yeah. specifically reference it and count on most people to get it? I think only like the most biggest mega hits you can do parodies of. But any of those big, the big mega hits these days don't have iconic moments. Like what scene of, you know, Black Panther would you like do a parody of yeah. if you were, or the quote type of thing? The one, when you said that, the first thing that came to mind was like, well, sure, Anchorman, you could say that and everyone would get what you were going for. But that was probably 15 years ago at this point. That was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty old now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, well, yeah, if you want to talk specifically about Marvel movies, like they are, they're more like big TV shows and they just kind of wash over you. Like the, uh, I mean, of a scene from Black Panther, I mean, definitely their, their arm movements of Wakanda Forever are memorable. Yeah, sure. Actually, you know what? I think if people were to reference the somebody putting a spoon in a teacup, I think they'd get the get out reference. Maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe. I, I think that that's a stirring enough imagery that would click. I mean, The Simpsons just did a couch gag about the scene where the space glove guy turns everyone to dust. <laughs> yes. So I think yeah. that's like the one iconic scene that I know from like all of Marvel movies. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Because it's been memed so much. Everyone did the meme of, like, I don't feel so good or whatever. Okay, see? Yeah. Boom. One for Marvel 23 right movies, there. one iconic scene. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's nothing you could get, uh, you know, two moments out of, just like The Simpsons did with this, because Bart did the Quint scratch in uh, Homer Goes to College. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow, yeah. Another Merkin repeating But it was on a chalkboard, uh, so this is yeah. uh, heightening that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that Willie's just like, like, I'll kill him for free. Like, no, he, he just really wants to kill children. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lovejoy is going to burn down the church for insurance fraud, which the he has time. done before. Yeah. <laughs> we, did, we did at uh, Sketchfest one year a uh, riff track short that was called More Dangerous Than Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Where the message of it was, hey, folks, like, we know that there's a lot of people out there that are washing their clothes in gasoline, but that's really unsafe, so go to a reputable dry cleaner. And someone I just made the joke about it, you know, on stage as part of the banter that was just like, you know, gasoline is terrible for washing clothes, but I will say it has gotten me out of several unsuccessful restaurants. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, that short, I didn't realize people had to be told like, hey, gasoline is flammable and also not something you clean laundry with. <laughs> it was it to me. I still have no idea because there's, you know, I didn't look at the newspapers from that day, but it seemed like one of those, you know, like how nowadays there are like invented things like, you know, kids are eating Tide Pods and then it's like they're there aren't any that are doing that, but that then becomes the story. So it had to have just been like, people are washing their clothes in gasoline. And then it's like, are they? Who cares? Now we're talking about this story. <laughs> that short seemed to be made by the dry cleaning advisory board too. Yeah. Yeah, right? I love all the uh, cartoon fire in that short. Oh my <laughs> yeah, God. It's wonderful. It's, that... it's a, a real treat. I think... Only Shake Hands with Danger has made me more like worried watching one than that. Like the, that woman that it ends with a woman lit on fire and covered in burns. I'm like, oh my God, this I can't believe this short went there. Well, there's one we did too about uh, kids uh, in Britain going into like power substations that, you know, er just kids getting set on fire and to try to retrieve their frisbee from these places, which is, I don't know, it's a good genre for us. <laughs> At least, you know, with Shake Hands with Danger, I could understand the violence in it because it feels like it's being pitched to their, their imagined audience were men in their 40s. So they're like, look, we don't have to soften this for you. We're going to yeah. show you a man bleed to death because that could happen to you. 
But when it's aimed at like children or the whole family, that's when I'm more shocked at the <laughs> uh, at the violence in it. The idea of like burning down a church for insurance money is uh, it's hard to get lower than that as yeah. a person. <laughs> or though stealing Marge's wedding ring as payment to help his family that that's uh, pretty low too. Lovejoy again, they it's getting pretty bad in this episode. <laughs> Matt Graney has said before he's like he doesn't like when they do mean jokes at Lovejoy's expense because it seems well, like unfair to religion or just them taking pot shots at a religion they're not a member of. He shouldn't have left to develop Futurama then. <laughs> <laughs> That's his fault. So with Willie and Lovejoy and Toe, they head back to the Forbidden Barn. What an honor. We've been called into the presence of... Marge? You're the leader? You don't look anything like the beans. Knock him out, Reverend! Mm. Oh! Uh, ooh! Oh, the devil has given him superhuman strength. Give me that, you noodle arm choir boy. Ow! Well, that didn't do it, Mr. Kilt. Look, mm. let's the three of us try it together. We've all learned that only Dredrick Tatum can knock Homer out. <laughs> but I, I love the scene of them all. Also, uh, Lovejoy's very wussy bat holding. Oh, yes, I love that. Yeah. But also just them all taking turns hitting him is very funny. As well, while he's driving, you know, looking back at them. Too, yeah. Like, with the bat. They need to, uh, he should be focusing on escaping the compound because they did just kidnap people. Also, uh, I'd like to know how they snuck into the barn and stole the Mercedes and, and get him in there. Or the Rolls Royce, sorry. Uh, but maybe they rented it like the hover bikes. Uh, yeah, that, that fits. I don't think they rented the hover bikes. I think they were uh, counting on those being, uh, you know, returned with a receipt with oh. no scratches. Yeah, they were purchased for the intent of returning. That's them. right. Yeah, I, liberal return policy abused. <laughs> I love how Homer just his face getting like his eyes going in different directions, even just as his head is being bashed on over and over again, but he just can't be knocked out because uh, he has too much brain damage already, I guess. Now it's time for Henry's tale of the tape. Here we go. Uh, so put the music in. So this is a classic uh, Henry tape blunder where I I never wanted commercials on the tapes when I was mm. recording the brand new episodes I'm, off TV. I'm very mad about that. So I would hit when it's uh, you're recording. For people who've never had a VHS player before, you're recording it off TV. You press pause and it stops recording during commercials because you don't want to, I didn't want to see commercials or fast forward through them on my tapes. The danger in that is you have to guess when it's coming back from commercial and you get a little bit of forgiveness when you hit on pause, but uh, sometimes you miss that. And uh, I missed the line, you'll break like matchsticks before in my tape. So I never in my, in Henry's brain uh, replaying the episode, you'll break like matchsticks. That line wasn't there it was only i promise you that it always comes out i promise you that then the episode starts so at this point we've had several tales of the tapes why didn't you learn anything from these constant tales uh, i refuse like, to admit defeat this I, time <laughs> this time <laughs> can i put it out there for everyone who uh grew up uh taping the uh like six to seven block of simpsons in the dc northern virginia area just i, I want to say something that i will call back a, an immediate memory for you guys Super VGA CD-ROM. That was an ad that showed pretty much every uh, single commercial break for the computer show and sale that was seen <laughs> once a month. That, uh, that Those are two things you could get, Super wow. VGA and CD-ROM. <laughs> In my area, the commercial that played the most during syndicated Simpsons was much 
louder than The Simpsons because mm-hmm. that was at a time when that could happen. They could legally do that or they were not prevented from making commercials much louder. Mm-hmm. So roughly eight decibels louder than The Simpsons you just watched was the Journey song Any Way You Want It. Oh, for a, a car dealership. <laughs> so just like, act break. Any way you want it. It's like, oh my God, scrambling for the remote. Man, I, I can't remember what were the uh, the omnipresent. The only commercials I remember were commercials for other syndicated shows that I would just marvel at of like, how can you repackage Seinfeld again for mm. us? Like, how can you tell us how this Seinfeld? Uh, but they always found another way to put together Seinfeld clips to tell you to watch more Seinfeld. That was the the Simpsons was close to highest rated in my market, but Seinfeld was number one in uh, syndication. Just uh, for I think a lot of people didn't watch the first like five seasons until it became the hot thing on uh, must see TV. It had a very urbane northern Florida audience. <laughs> I think there were gun show commercials. We didn't uh. get yeah though. I, I think I remember like computer shows too. It's a mix of gun shows and computer shows. Um, and this also, speaking of callbacks, it's the return of the Rumpus Room. This is the kind of net I like. He's got a fun streak to him. He's got uh, <laughs> taps installed. He's got a, yeah, so great. Now, now I'm not as impressed by beer taps installed because we've worked in an office where like, oh, we have a beer tap. And it's just like you have a keg under there and you pull like you basically have like a garbage bag full of beer that you then pull a lever on. And it comes out. It doesn't feel as special now that I, I, I know mean, what's behind it. And most of them are not very well maintained. So the beer I ended up getting from that tap was <laughs> what the beer that the... Uh, the movementarian lawyers got. Oh, yes. Just yeah, like mostly. all head. <laughs> yeah, you wasted a uh, I saw. Uh, that's why I never touched it. I just, if it was beer drinking time in the office, I went more to the liquor cabinet <laughs> there and uh, didn't bother with all that head. Uh, and yeah, the, the reason, too, they, this is, was last seen in Homer Loves Flanders when Homer destroys it saying, uh, they don't call me Virginia Fats just because I'm morbidly obese and breaks it. This, uh, this now you got a lawsuit on your hands. <laughs> just kidding. Stephen Dean Moore, the director on this, said he was happy to go back to it because he worked on the episode, though didn't direct, he worked on the episode where it was first introduced, Dead Putting Society. Okay, this is a classic uh, a classic version of the Man Cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rumpus Room is a funner name than Man Cave. I think yeah. it has less shame to it, honestly. There's a real stink on Man Cave. <laughs> <laughs> though, I mean, having your own bar, like, that's that's pretty cool. I'd, I don't think I'd have that uh, cigar store Native American anymore, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though uh, a, a mistake here again, we talked about the Burns head. There was also for the shot of him coming in with Rice Krispie squares. Lisa's arms are painted orange, like her dress color. So mm, freaky, a real goof up there. I hope somebody was fired for that blunder. The the lawyers are called into action. Outsiders have kidnapped some of our property. We must respond with our deadliest weapon. The lawyers. <laughs> all citizens, even though the leader himself is completely nonviolent, he urges you to be as violent as you like in capturing the Simpsons. <laughs> what are you doing? They're not here, you idiots. Idiots? That's slander, sir, and we have it on tape. <laughs> all right, I'll get on my checkbook. What was that? Uh, I said... <laughs> he answers a mumble with another, another mumble <laughs> but distinct from each other like and i said <laughs> they note on the commentary that uh kent is looking a little chunkier in this shot uh mm-hmm. they they think they miss uh stephen d moore thinks they misdrew him as a little heavier than he normally appears 
Though uh, maybe it's just we're not used to seeing him without a desk in front of him, I suppose. Yeah, so this all these lawyer bits here, this definitely felt like the Scientology gag to me because uh, in 1998, people didn't bring up Scientology on shows because they were terrified of lawyers. Yeah. They end the episode of South Park by saying, we're going to sue you. We're going to sue you so hard. And that's why the people credited for that episode are all John and Jane Smith. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, and yeah, that terif- being terrified of lawyers was what protected Scientology for the the longest time the way they got around it i think you know si- uh, south park was the show that finally called their bluff they're like all right are you gonna sue us and when they weren't destroyed by scientology lawyers i think that made a lot more mm-hmm. people uh satirists more um and documentarians more brave in uh, in going after scientology yeah on futurama when bender joined the church of robotology which mm. had nothing to do with scientology at not all at it was all. not even a joke about scientology just a similar name they hassled matt Groening about it he talks about it on the commentary he's like <laughs> let's just call them s and he was very clear like we're not gonna say scientology we'll call them s <laughs> But I got a call. Yeah. I'm surprised Graining hasn't been approached by them. I, you would think at some point he has, but I mean, man, the money they'd get off of him yeah. for all well, those I bet Nancy was ordered to recruit him. Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. Also, the, the be as violent as you like. That's another great uh, <laughs> commandment from them, which that seems more worthy of being sued than the slander of calling someone an idiot. To which, incite violence. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which also, I don't think, uh, I don't know, slander laws seem weird. I think um, the question of slander laws is like do you really want to go to the courts it'll take it'll take forever and you probably lose so uh, why why bother i think on what was it on the Penn and Teller show? They said like we can't call people liars, but we can call them assholes. So that's what <laughs> we'll be saying. Yeah, that was the that was the common uh, go to phrase on that show. Bullshit. Y- yes. <laughs> Look at this asshole. <laughs> I also just love Harry. Harry Shearer is really good in this one. That uh, I said Murr. that's <laughs> that was a really good line reading by him. Yeah, whatever he's interpreting on the script is a you know it's a creative creative way of interpreting probably indistinct mumble a couple times <laughs> and uh, then we get to the kids being broken of their brainwashing uh we get to see that like ned has a very religious collection of trophies i am not sure what he got mm. them from but like one most is, prayers what <laughs> one is like a um a cup with a just a cross right on it mm. like i i'm not sure what he did it for but uh yes it's it's time to break the children so you kids really love the leader huh even more than your parents? Yeah, Even no parents, absolutely. At least no, right already. <laughs> but do you love the leader more than having your very own brand new hover bikes? <gasps> what do you have to say about the leader now? Huh? Huh? Well, leader. And who do you love now? Hover bikes! Mm, close enough. Sorry, kids. There's no such thing as hover bikes. They're just a couple of huffies on a fishing line. But we heard them hovering. Oh, I'm afraid I played a dirty part in this little charade. (laughs) Can we at least keep the bikes? Oh, no, 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 no. They're due back at the store by six. Get off them. Get off, off, get off. (laughs) I like how hard they hit get off of them. It's so cruel to the children. It feels very murky. It's not just deprogramming. It's also a prank. Yes. 
It's uh, you know, and it works to set up, you know, the the reveal at the end of it too. But it also capitalizes on if you were of a certain age, the idea that there were, you know, hoverboards either out there or on their way or being actively suppressed by uh, uh, <laughs> with like a very very powerful uh, urban legend. So I, I don't know if they were, you know, capitalizing on that or if they were just doing it to set up the the gag at the end. But it was well done. You wanted to believe that a hover bike was just out of reach, and if somebody could someday sell it to you very soon, and <laughs> Yeah, I think it's bullshit that we have things called hoverboards now that are just like, they're just two wheels. They're just a motorized skateboard. It is one of the biggest travesties of justice of the 21st century. (laughs) Now I just get mad if someone's on the sidewalk and they're not walking. It's just like, what are these Uh, stupid ass uh, unicycle thingies I see everywhere? uh, Is this only in Berkeley? It's just like, uh, it's like you're you're riding like a pogo ball or something. It's just like, (laughs) I've seen those. I want the person to fall off (laughs) (laughs) and get hurt violently. Yeah, no, it's uh, these are sidewalks are for regular walking not your fancy walking oh and then they have like the segways without the giant uh stick or whatever yeah. you hold on to like the yeah. things you just like lean forward it's like why can we just walk <laughs> well then people can't show off whether they have the money to buy that bob that's true <laughs> they should get out of my way <laughs> i love the what like kind of walla walla on the kids there too like oh the hell are they taking fine leads i'm concerned or lisa saying like no contest at least twice as much <laughs> Uh, those are great. Uh, Hover bikes. And the, on the commentary, they make a good point that uh, they don't need to tie up Maggie. She is a baby. Like, <laughs> maybe just hold her. <laughs> That's all you need to do. The picture, the just the drawing of Ned with the wax paper in front of the comb is just so funny. And he's ashamed. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was part of that trick, too. Marge reestablishes trust from the children to immediately break it and laugh at them. Like, that's so funny. So the kids are fixed. Meanwhile, Homer, not so much. He's, uh, we, I like that Willie is so susceptible that hearing Homer describe the leader makes him mm-hmm. a convert immediately. It really reminds me of Stephen Colbert's character in the Strangers with Candy episode about the cult. Yeah. Like, he turns immediately. <laughs> I'll do anything you say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, they're trying to break Homer, and uh, things are not working until they find a liquid solution. <laughs> Uh, maybe we should take a little break of Rooney, huh? Anyone like a draft beer? Beer? Would you like a tall, frosty one, Homer? <laughs> no, must resist temptation. <laughs> Go ahead, give in, beer, beer. Ooh, these cotton poly blends are so comfortable. Go on, Homer. Our commandments clearly state that beer is all right. <laughs> Try some. This man is coming with us. Homer, you don't have to go with them. But I want to go. Well, I would say the matter is settled. You know, I pride myself on being a good host, so I'm obliged to offer you a beer. But I'm so darn mad, it's going to be mostly head. Got too much head on beer is a nightmare. <laughs> I say if there's more than an inch of head on your beer, you should be able to send it back. <laughs> I, yeah, I have a kegerator and it's like, I don't know what the deal is with it, but pretty much the, the first beer you pour after it's been a couple days is always like that. And I think about it every single time. It's a foamy <laughs> treat. Uh, like I know my favorite bars, they give you a beer. It's like up to the surface. It's just like, <laughs> sk- yeah. you could just uh, there's like a little bit coming over the surface even. It's just like perfect. <laughs> and you can't like, you know, ask them to give you like, 
the last inch because then you seem desperate but like that's clearly you know the glass, yeah. glass taper so there's more in that last inch than there is you know in the last three inches combined if i'm paying for an eight dollar beverage mm-hmm. i want that glass to be full of that yeah. beverage it's it's not about alcoholism or like a need for more drink it's like you it's partially about it <laughs> i i just want every cent of what i paid for i mean i have uh, i'm not much as much of a beer drinker but when I get like a mixed drink, like if I order a, uh, say, screwdriver at a place and there's so many ice cubes in it, I'm like, what? Come on. Like, <laughs> uh, that always pisses me off. Great drawings on this uh, break in there. Like, you really, they made sure to show you a single drop hits Homer's tongue. It's, it's, and a great camera move as it like pans around him to see, you can see the door where the bar, yeah. they're about to bust in. Yeah. And a really cool, like, it felt very filmic overhead shot of the glass dropping and shattering yeah that was great i I don't know if it was a specific movie it felt very like much like you'd see in a goodfellas type film it reminded me of him of uh me of him taking a baptism for bart yeah yeah yeah. actually with a single drops uh though this time he enjoys that single sizzle (laughs) you know it also feels like a really season two thing that ned even has beer and offers it to people i looked this up yeah so lovejoy lovejoy is not incorrect that uh, in at least the american form of christianity the alcohol is fine though it is a vice to overindulge Mm -hmm. but it's it's worth remembering that it was a very christian movement the temperance movement that led to prohibition so it wasn't always that at the very least american christians were pro-alcohol uh but in this case they're just fine with the it. protestants were just afraid of the irish and the italians so uh, that's really what all the uh the temperance was that's, for that's, i see they're drinking their wine with their yeah. popes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so it's racism as, as always, I see. Um, anyway, they take, they take Homer away, uh, that we do get a nice return of Homer's brain talking jokes. We, I think it's the first time we've ever heard his feet talk in, uh, in internal monologue and, uh, they take Homer away. He's their husband now. <laughs> and, uh, Homer then has, uh, like another very murky moment of a complete change of heart for no reason other than it's the end of the episode. I'm glad I'm back. Because the moment that sweet, sweet beer hit my tongue, I was born again! (gasps) Hallelujah! Now I can show all of you what I've come to realize. The reason we're not allowed in the forbidden barn is because there is no intergalactic spaceship! He's taking our money just so he can... build one hell of a spaceship! Homer Simpson, because of your lack of faith, You've ruined mankind's chance for salvation. Whoops. Nice going there, Homer. Oh, my gosh. Maybe he was telling the truth about everything. Oh, mercy. He's the real deal. I, I love the bags of money with yeah. the dollar signs on them. <laughs> it can be more obvious. And he's got a real hover bike. He, hover he, bikes are real. He's got one. It's actually a bike in the center of it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's an old newsreel uh, flying machine that you see when they were trying <laughs> to test them. They would always crash. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's a perfect classic old flying machine. I I love that ending too there. It's another like Twilight Zone fake out. That multiple Twilight Zone, like it is a it is a sci-fi staple twist ending of no, the aliens were real and they would have sh- saved all of you, but 
Instead, you betrayed them, and we we have to go away now. Messing with the audience as much as very Merkin. Yes, like, yeah. Characters constantly flipping back and forth. <laughs> I definitely, I don't know. As a kid or fourteen year old in first viewing of this, I probably didn't believe it. But for a second, I was. I think I did think is. Is this Kang and Kodos? Are this actually <laughs> space aliens in this regular episode? This was coming after Sherry Bobbins and Springfield Files, so yeah, weird you know stuff what? could happen in a normal episode now. That's true. That what is the leader's voice? Is there another character that has that same sort of voice? It sounds a bit like their lawyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, did I continue talking after you left? <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I don't know why he has this weird, like, kind of sinister... Uh... Oh, yeah, for the leader, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the well, the alien voice he puts on it kind of reminds me of Godfrey Jones. Oh yeah, uh, too. And I like that he puts on a different voice for when his thing is floating, and uh, he goes away. And I think you know, I wonder the more Merkin-y choice would be that he just gets away and keeps all of his money. So I wonder if that was a later rewrite of like it feels too cruel that he gets to take all their money. He should also he should also lose. Like no one should get should succeed except for Cletus. Yeah. His- his dirt farm is very profitable this year. <laughs> well, he needed some money for uh, Scout and Qbert's college fund. So <laughs> glad that it paid off. Yeah, I guess from this point on, we should all consider that he's a millionaire in every scene. Uh, but yes, yeah, here, here's the uh, happy ending. Stranger, you're a trespassing on my dirt farm. Uh, do you happen to need a messiah? No, but I'll take down sacks of money from you. I should have stayed with the promise keepers. Damn it. It fell apart like everything else I've ever believed in. Ah, I guess it's back to good old-fashioned voodoo. Wow, I need a drink. Come with me. Uh Uh, Is that your collar, Reverend? Oh, yes. (laughs) How did that get down there? (laughs) Come back to Papa, baby. Think I turned to a cult for mindless happiness when I had beer all along. <clears throat> and you, Marge, the bringer of beer. <laughs> it's wonderful to think for ourselves again. You said it, sister. You are watching Fox. We are watching Fox. Fox. <laughs> That is a very Merkin-y sentiment. He was very... There were so many jokes about being controlled by TV. Yes. Homer hugging and kissing the TV. Dial Z for zombies. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I... You know, Merkin... Man fall we, down. <laughs> Funny. We've, uh, we've, get, we've joked before about how Merkin hates that he works in television, but also is very good at it. He hates so, sitcoms, but he writes them. It's all he does. I, I think that kind of like self-hatred is what fuels so much of his very funny comedy. Uh, on, his, on his way out, he gets one last pot shot at the Fox Network, especially as their their own type of cult. It's amazing that they, uh, they you know, I used to like those jokes when I was younger, just because I I appreciated them making fun of the hand that fed them. But the context that they've taken on, you know, in the past fifteen years has has gotten so different too, and the, you know, it seems to justify them in retrospect too. Even more. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh yeah, the animation. So the animation on the bags of money falling off the roof is yeah. really good, like unnecessary. 
unnecessarily good. Well-observed money bag physics. <laughs> they all feel like they have a specific weight to them, and they all just drop very, like, I don't know if uh, it felt it. Uh, I wonder if one of the anime guys on the team did it just because it feels, or just a guy from outside the studio because it does not look like comedy animation. It looks like action animation huh. for, for how it falls. I, I don't know. I, I'm just guessing here. My detail I liked, I would buy the uh, Barney and Little Tiny Beer Voodoo doll if that oh, was yeah. a uh, accessory. Oh, they would make. boy. Oh, they need to make that. They should. Yeah. yeah. I. So uh, my reading on that is that uh, that's why Barney also didn't go crazy having no alcohol like Homer because he actually has no need to drink unless <laughs> Mo uses his voodoo on him. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that it's also Mo kind of... Mi- Mo is both a snake handler and a voodoo uh, priest. He's got a really open mind. <laughs> you can't buy. Don't put labels on Mo. That's my that's my mistake there. So you told me you had some stuff on the Promise Keepers. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, Connor, do you remember the Promise Keepers? The name rings a bell, but I probably they. I, I grew up in uh, outside of DC, and I feel like they probably did a march at some point in they time. They did indeed. Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, you know that's about my my knowledge of it, is that it was a thing that was happening, and I. I wanted no part of it. Uh, yes, they so they were a Christian evangelical group, though um like intentionally a chauvinistic group. Like they are they were a response to feminism and also a very white group too. Uh, okay. And uh, their march was kind of it it felt unnamed but like a response to the million man march as well it it was a very religious group about how men are being held back and wow. that they were ahead of their time they were they were they you, just waited for the internet <laughs> this is what happened before the internet and and yeah it was also about you know uh keeping women and girls in traditional roles like very much and and citing their reasoning from the bible that they said supports those it's just like a Twitter hashtag now. <laughs> and and they also were, they could fill up like stadiums for events. Well, arenas. They they had big, big turnouts for their stuff in the 90s. They went through some financial troubles. Can you believe that somebody would like embezzle money from it or resign in <laughs> disgrace? That doesn't sound likely, but, but somehow. Maybe that was the promise he made that he was going to embezzle all the money. And so he was just trying <laughs> to keep keeping it. It was a secret promise. <laughs> uh, but yes, the, the promise keepers though still exist, but they are a, a shell of their former self. The mm. the chauvinistic uh, hardcore Christian groups. There's 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 sexier newer ones out there. The Promise Keepers are just kind of plenty old of competition. School. Some of them have video games too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's the the gag that he had been part of the Promise Keepers and that was his previous scam. <laughs> that was uh, that was a nice little uh, little gag there on another current cult. One one last cult gag there. Do you think that was uh you know the, there's been other other gags that have clearly been ADR after the fact like you know don't forget. Ken Starr, do you think that was in there from the beginning, or was that more of a the, current reference? The lip sync is so close, it yeah. makes me think it's not ADR, yeah. Though it could have been, I mean, they do get retake jokes sometimes, so it's it's possible. But yeah, from, from 96 to 98, the Promise Keepers were a known thing. Like, they were okay. getting news stories about him. Uh, Lovejoy just picking his collar back up and pretending <laughs> it never happened. They didn't, like, stamp on it. Yeah, he <laughs> sold out his faith immediately. Um, instantly. <laughs> And uh, everybody, I guess the ownership of the house reverted back to them after the movementarians left. But it seems like everybody lost all their money at the very least. I think so. That ending also felt very like Dr. Seussian of him leaving. Well, like, like the star-bellied Sneetches one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sylvester McMonkey McBean. 
Wow, that's, mm. I for, I forgot that. I just remember the once layer, but that's that's a different evil Dr. Seuss capitalist. Fair. <laughs> I guess we should uh, wrap up this episode and say goodbye to David Merkin, who will be back as a consulting producer, mm. which means like I think it's sort of like a Mike Reese deal where he sits in on writing one day a week in the rewrite yeah. room. You're kind of you're consulting, you help, you're a respected voice in the room, but you don't approve stories, you don't lead stories, you don't make choices on directors. I Merkin's always around, but he also with that one day a week thing. That let him go back to film direct or transition into film directing as he did with Romy Michelle's High School Reunion and Heartbreakers, the Sigourney yeah. Weaver, Gene Hackman, Jennifer Love Hewitt film. Not quite as well known. I haven't watched that one. I, I love Romy Michelle. I don't know if Heartbreakers is any good. Though then, of course, Merkin would get back into the flock in the mid-2000s as one of the executive producers on the Simpsons movie. Mm-hmm. I I don't think he was the lead voice on it, but he was one of the top guys working on it. Uh, and yeah, he still is a, a friend of the Simpsons to this day, though right now he's working on his own YouTube series, uh, comedy series. So hey, best of luck, uh, Mr. Merkin. We'll talk to him one day. I hope. I feel it's going to happen. Crossing our fingers. Tell yeah, him. that one-week gig sounds pretty sweet. I need to... Uh... Get him to approve that at Rift Tracks. Just tell, <laughs> sit in and tell other people what to do. Your paycheck is the same, and it's just <laughs> one day a week, and just tell people what to do. Yeah, uh, Nice work if you can get it. This episode, I think, is full of very funny observational stuff about cults. You know, in review of some jokes being uh, shadows of previous jokes... I do. It did lower my grade of it just a little, but more down to like a B plus. Mm. But I still think of this as a strong, uh, comedically strong episode in this season that hits. It's a great farewell to Dave Merkin's specific style of satire that he brought to The Simpsons. So I, I still give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I don't think that I. I, th- I was probably you know harsh in my assessment of it earlier, but I'd, I'd give it a B. I don't think I'll watch it in my uh, normal seasons. Uh, you know, three and seven through. Seven rotation, but uh, it was you know definitely had good moments and made some some good points. And the leader is a very memorable character, especially <laughs> in his uh, uh, scratching his underarm form. <laughs> So, Connor, thanks again for joining us. Uh, can you please? Yeah, from- guys, my, pl- my pleasure. Can you please promote the stuff you're working on? Absolutely. Uh, check out Rift Tracks. You can go to see our live shows, which there's going to be three of this year: uh, Octoman, Ooh. Star Raiders, and Giant Spider Invasion, which I've still uh, never. Ah, classic. So- I'm looking forward to watching that one for the first time. Uh, listen to uh, 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back, which is a podcast where we, me and Mike Nelson from Rift Tracks and MST read uh, books that we're pretty sure we're going to hate. I don't know what's coming up after Bob Honey, who just do stuff, but I think we got to, it, 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 there's no way it could possibly be worse. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if you go to audible.com slash polevault, you can... Uh, Listen to the uh, Audible original audio production of my novel, which features Paul F. Tompkins and Weird Al and Mike, Kevin, and Bill from Riff Tracks and Janet oh, Arney and uh, John DiMaggio from Futurama. Um, so that was a really fun project that I'm really proud of. Wow. Truly star-studded. I got, I'm got. i definitely going to check that out with my uh, Audible credit that I yeah, have now. Probably yeah. just renewed uh, at the start of the month. So yeah, thanks again for having me on. I really uh, enjoy talking Simpsons with you guys. So thanks again to Connor Lestoka. Again, check out Riff Tracks. It's so great. We're big fans of it. And they have another live show. Uh, that might be simulcast to one of your theaters in North America. It's going to be Octoman on April 18th. I'll be there somewhere at a theater. Don't find me. I'll be having my own fun. <laughs> yes, leave, leave me alone. Leave, please leave me, me alone, everybody. <laughs> That's all I ask. No, <laughs> uh, actually, I 
think me and you left a Rift Tracks uh, viewing once and uh, had a very nice fan say, hey, wow, you're B- Bob and Henry. Would you believe that's not the first time I've left a Rift Tracks and met a fan? <laughs> There's some crossover uh, there, apparently. Let's make plans now. Let's go to this. On yes, yeah, totally. But as for us, if you want to help support our show and get tons and tons of bonus content on top of that, please go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And for the incredibly low price of $5 a month, you'll get every episode of Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon one week ahead of time and ad-free. You'll also get all kinds of bonus podcasts, including limited series like Talking Futurama, Talking Critic, and the currently unraveling Talking of the Hill. Those are Patreon exclusives and they'll never be free. Never, I say. <laughs> and we also have tons of interviews, end of season wrap-ups, community podcasts, and so much more. If you've never been part of the Patreon, you will just be uh, flooded with podcasts you've never heard before. You'll be in for a real treat if you enjoy our voices. If you've been listening this long, I think you do. And Henry, what does our newer $10 tier include? Well, if you sign up at the $10 level, you'll get access to all of the previous premium content we did and that is including our most recent $10 bonus the monthly what a cartoon movie podcast me and bob give the talking simpsons treatment to a different animated feature film each week that includes the secret of dim a goofy movie akira kiki's delivery service and batman mask of the phantasm and in april we'll very likely be doing spider-man into the spider-verse under under duress for one of us perhaps but uh, no no i want to see it's it. a good movie yes it's a good movie but yes uh that's only for ten dollar and up patrons me and bob put ton of effort into them they are almost all over three hours and they're a really good time and you can only hear that if you are a ten dollar patron so either sign up at that or up your pledge to enjoy some premium content me and bob are very proud of patreon.com slash talking simpsons and this is our full-time job so anything you can donate will help support the show and you'll get tons of free stuff on top of that so we appreciate it if you think about it as for me i am one of your hosts bob Mackey. find me on twitter as bob sorbo and at this point you probably know about retronauts it's my other podcast i do that's about classic games please listen to it at retronauts.com or look for retronauts in your podcast device i've been doing that for a long time so i'm sure i've talked about something that you enjoy henry how about you you can follow me on twitter at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g if you follow me there you'll learn all about the new things that go up on our patreon and all the other podcast adventures we're having. That's H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thank you so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next time for DOS Bus. We'll see you then. Do you have anything by Robert Ludlum? Get out.